and welcome to the Third Power, episode number 22. This is Anthony Avatolo, and I'm here with my co-host, Usman Jamil. Howdy. Sounds very excited. <laughs> the reason why he's so like excited I, is uh, I we actually have a... so terrible when I do these. <laughs> like, yup. We have a special guest here today. We have Cranny from In Contention. What's up, dude? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I know you're a, a big Cube fanatic, too, and uh, I, I'm glad we got a chance to finally talk. I know we've missed each other a few times at Star City events and things like that, but looking forward yeah. to uh, getting together in person soon. But let's we can s- start our special relationship here on the podcast. <laughs> Well, I feel like I already know you guys, like, even uh, not having had met you face-to-face um, since we've been posting on the same message board together with, our, you know, each of us having several thousand posts uh, uh, all related to Cube content. And, uh, and obviously, I, you know, I read anything that you guys uh, write from a blog perspective or, and uh, listen to the show a lot. So it was like when I met Usman back in um, at Star City Indie a couple months, or about you know, a few weeks ago, and it was like, hey, dude, how's it going? Like, not even, you know, like, like brother from, from another mother, you know? So, yeah. Well, very cool, man. Well, Ruben, we're played, uh, oh. Ruben with uh, probably one of the most annoying decks I drafted. I'm like, this is the worst first impression I could probably make ever. <laughs> My deck was so annoying. <laughs> I mean, at least it was annoying and just not terrible. No, no, it was, it was really good. It was just so annoying. It was like... What was it like Sun Titan bring back standstill kind of stuff? Oh God! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Well, cool, you guys. Well, we're here today. We're going to talk about uh, alternate playing and drafting formats for the cube. Um, as we all know, we all run into times where we can't get you know six people, eight people, or sometimes even four people together to play cube. But we all like it so much, we you know want to find other ways to do it. So we're going to talk about a bunch of different ways that you guys out there can uh, play with your cube. Hopefully not play with yourself, but with at least one other person. And uh, <laughs> let's, uh, you know, let's get it started off the right way, man. Let's go ahead and do a crack-a-pack. Now, whose cube are we using? Uh, well, I, tonight I provided the crack-a-pack, actually. Awesome. I the honor You're... of providing the crack-a-pack. Cool. What well, do you want to talk a little bit about your cube, uh, so people know kind of what format it is and and what to consider when looking at this pack? Sure, sure. I guess I'll give a brief um, intro on sort of my cube philosophy without getting too deep into it. But um, you know, I I, uh, I model my cube like many others do off of Lapilli's original list um, uh, about oh gosh, I don't even know how long ago, it was maybe four or five years ago, and uh, and sort of. It evolved into what it is today, which is basically um, the best possible limited format using, you know, some of Magic's best cards. You know, I, I have, um, you know, it's gone through many iterations and many different uh, faces to each of the colors. But, um, you know, I, I try to have a, a nice, healthy draft environment because that's what we like to do. We like to draft. So it's kind of kind of where I'm at. Powered or unpowered? It is an unpowered list. Yeah, sorry. Um, unpowered list. Um, I like to have a little bit more focus on the combat steps, so there are more creatures um, than spells in most of my colors, and um, and there are I, I cut back on some of the the gold cards as well. So it's kind of uh, more focused on uh, archetype drafting 
rather than traditional, like, you know, bread drafting, for instance, uh, which I, I don't even know if that's possible in cube because everything's a, a B, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's sort of my cube philosophy there. Cool. How big is it, too? How many cards, Cranny? 585. All right. So kind of towards pushing uh, right and red medium towards large a little bit there. So Yeah. Well, we typically get um, the group that, that comes to my house um, every week. Um, we, we usually don't have less than six, and sometimes we have up to, like, 12 to 14 people. Uh, so I have to have enough cards to be able to support all those people. And if, if for some reason we ever hit more than that, um, you know, I can always just provide another cube or <laughs> or something. So, but but usually, um, eight man is is the norm, uh, and then and then Winston's whenever we're kind of uh, bored. But yeah, that's the that's uh, the cube makeup. Right. Well, we'll get to Winston later on for sure. I know you're a, a big Winston fan, so I'll give you a chance to talk about that quite a bit. All yes. right. Well, let's uh, let's get to Senior Crack Pack. Why don't you go ahead and, and tell us what the cards are here? Okay, uh, first card is Profane Command. Nice. Next is Doom Blade. Doom! Everything dies to Doom Blade, so everything sucks. Doom! <laughs> I think everything in this pack dies to Doom Blade. Oh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, Karmic Guide. That guy does not die to Doom Blade. He does oh, not, in fact, wanna... die to Doom Blade. Oh, and so does Finkel. Oh, he doesn't either. Wow. Is that uh, the next Phantasmal card? Image dies to Doomblade. Phantasmal Image is the, the next card. Okay. Uh, Sword of Body and Mind. That does not die to Doomblade. Just saying. No. Uh, <laughs> Opposition, which is actually probably my top ten favorite cube cards. Um, and uh, then we have Fire and Ice. Cool. Gold Meadow Harrier. All right. Uh, Counterspell. One of the one of the new ones from Innistrad, Daybreak Ranger. So that's a. Uh, uh, <laughs> Kibler's little pet card. Right, uh, and that's the one that shoots flyers and transforms to uh, fight other creatures? Yes, he oh. is rowdy. Uh, then we have Swords of Plowshares. Maybe we should call him like Russell Crowe. Be like, oh, I- <laughs> <laughs> Let's call Give me a testicle! we got to get Klug to, to alter one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what was the last card? Swords of Plowshares, you said? Swords of Plowshares. Okay. Uh, next is Crucible of Worlds. Then City of Brass. All right. Shadow Mage Infiltrator and Grim Lava Mancer. Oh, wow, a red card finally. Yeah. So it, that's a that's a good pack. That's a that's a really good pack. Yeah, that's a lot a of options. Super solid pack. I, I have to note that originally sort of body and mind was Batter Skull, but we <laughs> Anthony and I <laughs> said no Batter Skull, you have to replace it. Yeah, well, there was a batter skull in the pack. I'm like, nope, nuh-uh, no. There's about five cards I'd probably pick over it, but I understand that you don't you don't want it to be like the same well, card week after week. Yeah. Well, exactly. There was just like a streak of weeks in a row, and I don't remember, Usman, was it actually when we were on recording when I opened up like a random pack or whatever right after we were talking about it, and the first card I pulled was... Yeah. Oh, my God. It's cracking up. I'm like, are you serious? Oh, so many batter skulls. And of course, never open them, actually, actually open them in draft ever. Well, you had it in the one cube Right, the, the one cube deck, yeah, just, yeah, never drew it. Didn't need it. <laughs> but everyone's like, oh, cool, how is batter skull in your deck? I'm like, it held up the other cards in the deck. It stacked nicely with the rest of them. That's like- about all I can tell you. <laughs> it was in the same colored sleeve, so it was indistinguishable. That's good. 
Oh man, I we at we had a PTQ the other day, and uh, I drafted. It, it had to be one of the best decks I've ever drafted, and uh, it was the first time I was actually able to draft Stoneforge Mystic and Batterskull. Sweet. And, oh. and and my deck also had Standstill in it, and so I actually I actually got to live the dream of turn two Stoneforge, turn three Standstill, and uh, yeah, I won that game. Uh, oh, shocker. Yeah, that that is pretty degenerate. Um, there's do, just doesn't get better than that. But yeah, batter skull is just ridiculous. But this pack is just, I mean, there's so many options. So what, what would you guys do? Because I know my cube, and I know like what I would want to draft. So if you were sitting down, and like you know a little bit about my cube, like I support blue aggro or blue grow like type, you know, strategies. Mm-hmm. What you know, what would be your your? What would you gravitate toward? I, I got to tell you, like the cards that stick out to me right away that I would consider are uh, Sword of Body and Mind, uh, Swords to Plowshares, uh, Grim Lava Mancer. Those okay. are like three of the cards that speak to me right away. Um, I, I feel like Image. I don't know if I'm a creature deck or not. Counter Spell. There's plenty of counter type spells. Um, opposition. I don't know. You know how big of a token support there is. Because obviously, really like opposition and, and token type decks, but you know, n- not necessarily knowing if you're how many token type effects. I think I might skip that one for now. Obviously, Profane Command and Doomblade are both very good, but I find myself whenever I draft those kinds of cards, I wind it up in a, in a mid range kind of deck, and mm. I can't stand playing mid range in cube. Sure, I, I, I either be on want to be on one end of the clock or like one end of the clock or the other. I yeah, find that yeah. all my mid range decks look awesome on paper, and mm. then are just absolute crap to yeah. actually play them. Um, so those are the cards that point out to me. Obviously, some of the other cards are very good. I mean, I can see value in picking City or Brass, but I, I don't know if that's a card I want to pick one, pack one. Mm-hmm. Um, Daybreak Ranger, haven't had a chance to play it yet, so I would probably, if it were my cube, I might pick pick it just so I can get some testing data. Sure, but sure. I know that Sword, Swords, and Grim Lava Mancer are awesome. So that's okay. kind of my thought. And I'll let you know when I come up with my next thought and how to eliminate it further than that. There you go. <laughs> I think because, I don't know, you said, uh, you know, you brought blue aggro, and I've been t- tinkering with them, with it in my cube as well. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think I would try the opposition. But if it were, if it were you know, like somehow a pro tour cube or something, I'd probably take the safe, like, you know, sword of body and mind, swords, or city of brass. I'd probably take sword of body and mind. It's very safe, but... I like my opening packs being safe, but, you know, if it was just, like, like 99.999% of cube drafts that I've done, where it's just, like, no real pressure or anything, it's just for whatever, then I'd probably take Funsies. opposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just for funsies. Yeah, sure. I'd probably take opposition. Sure. Man, I, I went in a little different direction, actually. Uh, I, I, I agree with the Grim Lava Mancer pick, um, especially because this, this pack's pretty powerful, if we were in a six-man, like, the Daybreak Ranger is probably coming back, so I could end up in a pretty nice red-green deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and in an eight-man scenario, like, you know, there's a there's a pretty good chance that, like, I'm going to get that card back or the Gold Meadow Harrier. So, like, either way, I could end up in a, in a nice aggro deck. So I, I like him, you know, for obvious reasons. But I actually, in this pack, like the Counterspell. Um, mostly because I... I like to solidify, like, if I'm going to start a control deck, 
I, that counterspell is the best counterspell in my cube. Um, it, it, I, better than Cryptic Command. I don't have Mana Drain or anything like that. So I, I like picking that and then on the wheel potentially getting back. You know, if I go into like a tempo strategy, maybe no one's gone into it, I get the opposition or the image. Yeah, I'm thinking um, you could easily wheel the opposition. I mean, at least from the, the type of drafters that I draft with a lot. I feel like that's a card that people aren't going to – like, I think the only way you're not going to loop the opposition is if someone takes a uh, deranged hermit or something like that. Like a cloud goat or something. Yeah. Or a cloud goat like, or, or something of that nature. You push tokens across all the colors. So, like, I have, you know, like, Marsh Flitter and Black. And, like, I push tokens quite a bit. And I have, I have most of the Anthem effects. So opposition is actually probably a little bit better in my cube than a typical cube list. So, sure. Uh, you know, if someone if someone takes like an Amiria Angel or uh, 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 you know the the giant Kithkin Maker, then I could see opposition just not even making it back around. So, um, but but I was thinking if you take the counterspell, the, the Infiltrator is probably going to get to you or the Fire Ice. So like it's a pretty it's a pretty good pick. And then you know if I was to like following the back end, we'll probably just be take the Swords to Plowshares because. It's the best removal spell probably in the in the entire cube. So I mean, you can't really go wrong there. That's true. Right. Yeah. My and my thought is probably. I, I mean, I and I agree with that because I kind of like to look at the first pack, think about how many people in the draft, and kind of guess which card I'm getting back. Um, I'm guessing that you know cards, for example, uh, Doomblade, Phantasmal Image, not Phantasmal, uh, Doomblade, Swords to Plowshares, Shadow Mage Infiltrator, uh, the Sword. These are all cards that are not going to table. These are yep. all cards that people are going to just snap up immediately, because you always have someone at the table who's Doomblade guy. People, <laughs> you know, are always, you know, love themselves some equipment. Everybody knows Swords of Plowshares is dumb. You know, Grim Lava Mancer. Hopefully, everybody knows that as well. Shadow Mage Infiltrator is actually the only uh, Ophidian creature I run in my cube anymore. Mm-hmm. I've been very unimpressed with all the rest of them, and they've all been cut except this one. Um, and and I think the possibility exists certainly for the Daybreak Ranger or the, or the Gold Meadow Harrier to come back easily. Um, so I actually wanted to just comment, uh, maybe just a little bit of his side, if you guys don't mind, on Daybreak Ranger and how he's. Oh been no, so we, ne- was, we never was, tangentialize. We never go off on tangents. I was seriously oh, just going to ask. <laughs> oh yeah, we never go off topic ever. He, he's been in for a while. I actually, I don't. We haven't seen him as much as I would have liked. Honestly, it, we haven't seen him as much because we've been drafting the crap out of Innistrad. Sure. So, Cube Night for the past three weeks has been, you know, eight man or six man drafts in my basement. So we haven't really had as much time with him. But um, he did see some play at Star City Indy, and we've done some Winstons and a couple six mans in between. And uh, he is actually just like deceptively good. Um, now, I haven't shot, like, a bird or anything down. I haven't, like, killed a dragon, you know, when I attack in with, like, a molten steel dragon or something, like, silly like that. Um, but, you like, being able to just play him out on turn two or three, and then on your turn, like, if you, if you just don't have a play, or maybe you do have a play, but your opponent has, like, a relevant guy, like, maybe even, a, like, a mana elf or, you know, a tarmogoyf that's not very big yet or whatever... Like, you can just pass and kill his best creature in, in his upkeep. And, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of utility there. And, and flipping him back, especially on turn, you know, two through four, is not an easy task. And once that guy goes active, 
he does a lot of damage. And I think if, if you just flip him even one time, that's, you know, you're getting, you're getting the mileage out of him. I mean, three, a three mana, you know, gray ogre with the, the, the archer ability is probably not good enough, but add fight to it and it's really good. And, 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 and I, I, the reason I like talking about this guy is because there's been some discussion about flip cards in general. A lot of people just don't want to include them at all. Uh, on principle, some people just don't like the fact you have to flip them. Some people think they're too con- inconsistent, but they've been like insane. Like Reckless Wave is insane. And, and Andy, I actually wanted you to kind of elaborate a little bit because you you sort of have you have an opinion on flip cards, and I I kind of wanted to to hear your thoughts. Wait, wait, I have an opinion on something. Well, yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Well, you know, for my point is with them, especially I was talking about Reckless Wave recently. Um, I really like my aggressive decks to punish people for dirtling around. And Reckless Waif is the exact kind of card I like to have in my deck. Um, it's not useless as a 1-1 one, one for 1, but, you know, not having power, not having a, a lot of early drops. I mean, if this guy gets in there even one time for 3 and then eats a removal spell, I am perfectly fine with that. Because you know what? That means I have a one-mana threat that ate a removal spell that traded one for one, and most likely that removal spell cost more than my Reckless Waste mm-hmm. or had more value. But as far as just the flip cards in general, I don't know you know, what you've seen of my opinions, but I think people are just so lazy who want, don't want to deal with pulling cards in and out of their sleeves. Oh, I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if it, if it's a good card, what, what's the what's the problem? You know, right. and especially then, I, something as good as Garrick. Like there, people are some some people are like, I don't want to play uh, flip cards. They're they're annoying. It's like they they violate this rule, this unwritten rule of what I think magic should be. So therefore, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to protest by not playing this card in my cube. Which to me is just absurd. It just seems um, rather arbitrary. It's just like, well, well, I draw the line at split cards, or I draw the line at this. It's like, okay, that and, and you know, it, it's okay to to have a line. I mean, we all have our lines. You know, like some people don't like unglued, some people don't like power, some people allow like you and me, uh, Annie. We 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 have errata cards like I have chaos orb. You have a reflecting pool that's a planes. Like it adds <laughs> to our environment. Like when I draft. When I sit under draft your cube, I feel like your cube has character. You know, it's so like right. it's okay to have that to a point, but when it when it restricts like your ability to include what is like a, a really good cycle of cards, um, I, I can't get behind it. I mean, I just I, I think that it does nothing but but hinder like design space for what you can do with your cube. No, and I I couldn't possibly agree more. Um, I also think too that you know a lot of people are. You know, I, I've heard all sorts of, you know, pardon me for the expression, all sorts of half-assed solutions on how people are going to do it. Well, I'm going to get two copies of it. Um, I'm going to use the checklist <laughs> cards. I'm going to get one copy of it and then proxy the other side of it. I'm going to commission an artist to draw a you know, Mark Chagall-esque rendition of the flip side, and for the front side, I'm going to use a checklist card I made myself with only the cube flip cards on it. I mean, I don't... I've heard so many stories, and I just don't understand, especially now. I mean, most people... I would I would tend to say a lot of people double-sleeve their cube. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not that difficult 
for those of you listening out there, this is what you do, okay? You're like, reckless wave, pass. And they go, land, go. And then you reach into your sleeve, pull the card out, lay it on top of the outer sleeve. Yeah, I did that for draft. I mean, yeah. You know, lay it on top of the outer sleeve if you don't want to deal with, because, you know, some people have, like, you know, sausage fingers and can't put the double-sleeved cards back in the sleeves. (laughs) And, you know, granted, you know, we can have a class on that. But, you know, some people just have trouble with something sometimes, and that's okay. Because well, there are people some too. people don't double sleeve. Like I, I, if you, <laughs> and I don't blame them because if you've ever double sleeved and sleeved an entire cube, oh yeah, like you think you're like, oh this is gonna be fun. I'm like gonna see my cards. I'm like you know <laughs> sort them out. No no no. You get done with one color, you're like what? I have 500 more cards to go. Are you kidding? Yeah. You're like good lord. I have to shave like this <laughs> for so long. So you know, and this is that's a great activity for you know resleeving your cube. By the way, guys, is a great group activity for all the people who enjoy your cube and you're like oh do you guys like playing my cube and they're like yeah you're like you want to help me out with my cube they're like yeah you're like here unsleeve this <laughs> cricket like cricket. Labor but you know you can you can get people to do it but seriously if you know just lay it on top of this the outer sleeve that way it's still off the table even if you're you know even if you're not sleeved or if you're not double sleeved uh-huh. take it out lay it on top you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. If, if, if it's that, if you're that offended by having to pull, put the card in and out of the sleeve, lay it on top. When it leaves play, put it back in the sleeve. Yeah. I'm not that you. difficult, you guys. Really. I, uh, really I not that hard. Because I'm cheap and I, you know, don't have a Garrick. Like somebody on Salvation made kind of these, like half, on one side, half other, kind of like the split cards. Mm-hmm. And so it fits on one side. And for me, that's been working fine. Same with like Cloistered Youth. It's just like, Instead of transforming it, flips. Like that's fine. That's what I do. And I'm, I think that's good. Yeah, yeah it, it's been working out. And like I said, it's cheap because I am cheap. Yeah, right. I mean, I, unfortunately, I'm at a point where I still don't have a, a lot of the Innistrad cards because I just haven't traded for them yet. You know what I mean? And and it's to the point now where I am unfortunately a giant snob about it. And if I'm not going, to, if I'm not planning on trading for a bunch of copies of the card anyway. For example, like Garrick, I don't see myself being like, you know what I want to play? I want to play a Garrick, you know, Relentless deck or whatever. I, I'm not going to do that. So I'm not going to just trade for a, a Garrick when I just have to trade for a foil one later on. You know, right. what kind of, you know what it reminds me of? And I'm sure, like, two people will get this reference. Cranny will be one of them. But you know, like, in RPGs, when you go to a shop and there's, like, a silver sword that's worth 50000 and there's, like, a gold one versus a hundred. And it's like, I could buy this gold, I could buy this silver one, but, you know, it would just be a huge waste of time because you have to, like, buy the silver sword and then sell it for half and then get the, you know, get the gold one. It's just a huge pain. It's like, ah, I'll just buy the... About yeah, the like, like when you first get the boat and you actually get to buy a silver sword in Teleria, wherever that place is in Final Fantasy One, and they have, like, knives and they're 100 and you're like, well, I'll just go grind. Like, I'll just yeah. grind my way to a foil Garrick. Why, why would I ever do anything less than that? I'll find an ogre and two creeps for, like, ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Usman, you're, like, the best person ever. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and that's the thing, you know, like, unfortunately, like, I've, I've been drafting some, too, but we haven't been that successful with the foil rares, so there hasn't been a bunch around. Which, by the way, everybody and their grandmother is opening foil Snapcaster mages, by the way. Yeah. There's so many of them around. But, yeah. you know, not all of us are fortunate enough to <clears throat> draft a foil Liliana. 
Just saying. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait, did, Usman, you got one too? No, no. I got oh, just, just me? Yeah, I got pretty lucky. That, that was a good draft. <laughs> oh, wait, that was me? I forgot. Oops. <laughs> yeah, she looks pretty good. And, and and it was it was very uh it was very fortuitous timing because like two days later she like quintupled in price or whatever she was only going for like fifty bucks for foil I, I bought a, a non foil one at Star City for like thirty bucks Star City prices you know so the the foils weren't that expensive so I just paid all my teammates twenty bucks which at the time they were like oh that's insane and then she goes up to you know ninety or hundred bucks so. Jeez. Yeah. How much is how much is uh, foil Liliana now? I think she went back down because it's uh, sealed PTQ season, so lots of industry are getting open. But um, and obviously people don't really need to be playing standard right now. But yeah, yeah now that states is over, yeah, like the the big uh, the big push for cards is will settle down quite a bit. Which by the way, I'm really hoping you guys call her uh, as soon as we saw her. We're like, oh man, Liliana chest. Yeah. I hope that's what the card's called. <laughs> All right, I'll try it out. See if the group likes it. Yeah, Liliana Chest. <laughs> that's what I've been calling her the whole time. Hey, well, how about we actually uh, get on getting on to the to the main topic? We have a a bonus crack a pack for you guys. We'll do towards the end. How's that? Yeah. I'll save that one for the end. Okay, that works. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, let's talk about some different formats of playing the cube. Like I said, uh, you don't always have enough people there for a draft. Uh, I know I don't, you know, not living in a, in a major city. I can, I can scrape together four pretty easily. And by easily, I mean, you know, once, twice a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. But getting an eight man usually is reserved for, you know, going to Star City events or PTQs or, you know, wherever else I can, I can find a bunch of, uh, a bunch of addicts who want to play cards yeah. with me. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the, the formats that, that, both we and other people have have used to satisfy that cube urge uh, when we don't have the group. And, and the first one I think the, is the most basic one, uh, which is sealed deck. Um, I have not done any cube sealed decks, so I'd be more than happy to listen to to your guys' opinion on on how you do it and what you think about it and all that good stuff. I'll uh, I'll just kind of chime in here um, because uh, I have very little experience with sealed deck. Um, so it's the, it's the one format that I want to understand like kind of why people enjoy it so much because the times that we've, we've done it, we've almost always just, you know, we have like two or three people and it's kind of like awkward because there's not really a lot of formats there. And, um, so we, we, we built, you know, either 45 card sealed decks or, uh, we go up to 75, and I just could never get like a feel for like why you wouldn't just play a different format. So some, someone sell me, what, like kind of explain to me how, how you do it and, and what the benefits would be. I don't know. I do a decent, I've like for a while I was never really able to get like uh, booster drafts going and you know, people would just like flake out or whatever. Like, ah, I don't want, I just want to play EDH or something. And lately I've just been able to get more cube experience through sealed. And uh, for I do like that it's pretty easy to do. You know, it's mm-hmm. pretty, pretty like, okay, we got, usually it's with four people, because my cube's at 450, and so it sports, sports five in theory, but usually it's four for sealed. And it's like, okay, let's, uh, everybody takes 90. And it, sometimes it's like when I use my cube, which has like a lot of four and stuff, people will be like, 
like, it's always awkward in draft. Like, for example, like, somebody sees a foil or a foreign a great Sable stag, like, okay, what is this? And then you have to go explain it to them. And uh, you don't know if you want to whisper it to them or if you just be like, okay, this is what it does. It can't be counter pro, black, pro, blue, 3-3, three, three, blah, blah, blah. Is that before or after you call them an idiot for not knowing great Sable stag is? No, I usually, I usually wouldn't do that. I'm just kidding. Okay. Did you play when fairies was legal, bro? Come on, man. How do you not know what this card is? <laughs> but it's also, it's also pretty, I don't know. I like... The decks I found have been pretty fine. Like, they've never just... It seems like, unlike regular limited, where it just seems like a lot of the bad, like, skill tester quote-unquote cards just completely can make a sealed deck just awful and just make other people have just, like, the nut high. Like, sealed seems to make it level the playing field. I mean, of, of course, there are going to be some obvious highs and lows. Like, you know, if you open a GTA, that's pretty solid. Or, you know, having a sword in your pool is always nice, but... I don't know. I've always found how many, it. How many packs or cards do you use, Usman? I usually, I just do 90. You know, six packs of 15. Okay. Wow, that's a lot of cards. So I imagine that, like, you would, with that many cards, you, you could have a full representation of pretty much any archetype uh, at any given, in any given seal pool without having to stretch your, your, uh, your pool to, you know, like, have to splash into a third or fourth color. Yeah, and that's what I never really liked about some sealed stuff. It was just, like, you would play. You would have like the two color main and then three color that you splash for a third, or and, and you could like that sealed pool that I post on the blog, where I had this like insane aggro deck with like super synergies. It was just ridiculous. But I mean, I see a lot of the times like the two colors, uh, sometimes like the Jun special stuff like that. I mean, but I like that diversity. Just sure. A lot of the times, like I would see like. Uh, yeah, a lot of the times it's just seeing like the, oh, okay, I'm doing sealed. I'm with however many packs. I'm just gonna play mid range, or I'll play Jun mid range, or I'll play Blue Bant mid range, or something. It's just it seems like yeah. a good up format, like especially like we've done more less than like probably not like playing it, but more just to like as an exercise and oh, what kind of deck can you build? You know, here's a stack of cards. Here's a stack of cards. You know, curve it out. What does it look like? Okay, well, I, you know, I got white weenies, splash red for Johnny, but I mostly have blue for like tempo counter spells or whatever. And like, to me, like it, it almost seems like I do sealed more on a one on, like just when I'm by myself, just so that I can see like, okay, do I have like a good distribution of colors and casting costs, you know, or in a good representation of my archetypes and. You know, so like in, in a random stack, I see I use 45 cards because like if that's just like a draft pool. So I could just see, you know, like in, in my in my stack here, like, you know, do I have enough first picks? Do I have enough, um, you know, small dudes? Do I have enough big guys? Do I have enough finishers, counter spells, whatever? So, but like, again, that's not really like, it's more like a pickup thing for me. Like, okay, got a few minutes to burn. Yeah. Rather, it's, it's like a representation, like a sample size or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know, like, I, I've been doing it more lately, just because, like, at the shop, uh, gratuitous plug for Ogre's Games in St. Louis, like, I, you know, pretty much, their cube is pretty much a copy of mine, and, like, sometimes, like, a lot of the times people will just will be like, oh, I'd rather play EDH or something, but I've been lately to get people, lately been able to get people to cube more with Just Sealed, especially if there's, like, just three or four people, like, if there's three, I'll, you know, I'll probably do Sealed and then just you know, 
when there's two other people just either, you know, round robin or, you know, just for when other people are playing. Right. Or but I, I don't know. I think it's not bad. It's it maybe not maybe a thing where the other options are better and sealed is just an easy option, but I don't know. It's been working out pretty well. Yeah, is it just because, I mean, I imagine one of the uh, appeals to it is that it's a very short prep time. You're just yeah. like, here's a pile of cards, make a deck. As opposed to the next one that we're going to talk about, which is Winston Draft, which, you know, there is a drafting process and then a duck, uh, then a deck building process afterwards. So, like, the there's less time between sitting down and playing Magic than there is with the other formats. I mean, it, could that could you see that as an appeal yeah, to it? I think that's so. And it's also just, yeah, I mean, granted, when you're doing a sealed and you have to make a deck, sometimes it's really hard just because it's just so many options available. It's like, oh, wow, what do I make with this thing? <laughs> just It's the first initial just absorbing everything, and it's like, okay, time to break everything down. Break down my options, what colors are best, yada yada, what archetype should I be, things like that. But, I don't know. That, that's definitely a factor. Like, I think that's definitely, it's, you know, but I think other formats probably do that better. Like, I think Winchester might be better for the whole, like, be, like yeah. time maybe. I don't know. I'm glad you mentioned that, Usman, because I think Winchester feels almost, well, we'll talk about it in a little bit, so I, I won't get into it. But I, I, I want to have one final stab at sealed. I, in general, I don't like sealed as a format, whether I'm playing cube or I'm playing Innistrad sealed deck or, or whatever. Um, unless you're playing Invasion Block sealed, that format was insane. But I don't, I, I just don't like that I'm not the master of my own destiny. And yep. um, you know, if I sit down to a draft, if I sit down to you know to, to, to Rochester Winston or, or just do or just a regular eight man draft, I get to decide sort of what my card pool is. Right, you have some influence over what you're going to play. Yeah, yeah, there's like, there's some amount of variance, you know, like, maybe I'm not going to get past any white cards after I first pick a Swords of Plowshare, or maybe maybe I get no um, reanimates, and I, like, grab all the reanimation creatures. Like, there, there's some of that. And, like, Sealed Deck, I think sometimes it's like, oh, wow, I have Animate Dead, Reanimate, and Sphinx's Steel Wind, and a Sundering Titan. Well, this pool is... You know, a reanimator pool, and, and or this pool is a you know, you, there's like a bunch of different ways to build it. So I like it as a deck building exercise, but I hate it like from a perspective that I just like I want to I want to draft. Like that's my that's my favorite magic format is just like drafting. So that's where I, I have a hard time like seal decking because I just almost rather be drafting 100 percent of the time. So well, yeah, and that's the thing about seal deck too. I mean, I've you know I've been playing PTQs for a really long time and played plenty of seal deck PTQs, and you know. Uh, I, I can put two right next to each other. I had a Masks Block PTQ, uh, and it was just Mercadia Mask, so, you know, all Mercadia Mask. A starter nice. deck plus packs. Ooh. <laughs> wow. And, nice. uh, and my pool, um, I, oh, you know, I opened my pool and registered it, and it was a three-squee pool. Oh! At the time... How many spell shapers did you have? Uh, zero. What? At, at the time, it was, you know, zero that mattered. You know, it was a bunch of do-nothings. Um, but literally, like, the pool was terrible, but it had, you know, three $15 cards in it. And, like, literally, because, you know, even when I, you know, they tell you just register this, just register the deck and don't do anything else, you can't help as a, as a deck builder, you can't help but say, okay, if I had this deck, what would I play? And I literally looked at the deck, and I'm like, if I had this deck, I would drop from the tournament and <laughs> collect, my, collect my profit 
and you know go trade or do other things. Yeah, and, imagine and, you drove two hours, like you know. Right. Right, I drove two hours, but it's just like, you know, I'm not doing this. This is back when, you know, I cared about my ratings, and I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to distribute points around Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and uh, and sure enough, they're like, all right, well, now we're going to call the names of three people who get their decks back. Anthony Avatolo. And I immediately just go, drop. <laughs> nice. And, you know, I was done. And then I had, you know, a Lorwyn Block PTQ where I literally, where I just about had a, a constructed fairies deck. Jeez. Um, I had a blue-black deck with uh, Dub's uh, Streak Maw, Trips Mole Drifter, um, an entire Fairies, Instant Speed Fairies package, including uh, two of the hamburgers, Harbingers, uh, oh, two, yeah, I was say. two fairy hamburgers, Glen Alondra <laughs> Pranksters or Tricksters, the one that if you played a spell on their turn, you got to bounce a creature to your hand. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you control, yeah. Right, like, like one of the small drifters and one of the two Shriek Maws. Jeez. And then, you know, like, a bunch of instant speed, like, counter spells, like, you know, counter spells, instant speed creatures, removal spells. And I could have played white, too. I actually subbed in a white package uh, against a mono-red aggressive deck and just played glory on, or whatever, the, the white inc- purity on turn five or something against somebody. Right. They're like, well, can't win. Like, that deck, I felt like literally no matter what I did with that deck, I couldn't possibly lose. And the other deck that I, you know, that mass block deck, couldn't possibly win. And that is the, the frustration for me. Yeah. Uh, with well, sealed. And the same thing happened in, uh, what's the name, season two? Shards season. Like, playing shards sealed. I'm like, well, I don't have any bombs. Can't win. Uh, uh, I, have, I have a really, this is my worst, most humbling magic experience of all time. Um, and it has to do with shards sealed. Uh-oh. And it was a GPT, okay. and uh, there's a really good tournament organizer in Columbus, Ohio, called Professional, Professional Event Services. Events. Yeah, they're just like, they're just so awesome that like if yeah, they a couple of sweet, I would hire them. You know, they're just amazing. Um, so anyway, they they would do GPTs and typically would just not get very good turnout. Usually the GPTs would have, like, between 10 and 20 people, but, like, this this guy Fred would come up, and he'd, he'd have, like, his printer and his computer, and he would do matches, and, you know, someone would get buys. So anyway, I show up, there's nine people, okay? Nine people, and it's Shards of Alara sealed. So I get my seal pull, and I'm like, it, it's garbage. It's absolute, just the worst. But they... uh Basically, they were going to cut to top eight, which is just ridiculous. So one wow. person, one person doesn't make it, and then, um, you know, everybody else gets to draft in the top eight. So I'm like, well, this is insane because I could just pay thirty dollars, I'll just win one match, and then I get three more packs of cards and I draft. Like this sounds like a great day of magic. I'm, I'm automatically in the top eight. I might even get buys. So there's like three other three other ringers there, and then four people who are not very good at all. If, if, I, I imagine that they just started playing Magic that year. Sure. And, uh, so I sit down, I open my pool up. I have no idea. Like, it's just, my pool is just garbage. I can't do anything with it. I have, like, one one um, of the uh, uh, tri-mana Signet cards, and like, but I need to play five colors, so my, my mana base is terrible. I have no bombs. I have it, It's horrible. So I'm like, okay, all I have to do is win one match. I'm good. So I, I get round one, beaten. Round two, play against the ringer. Round three, play against the ringer. Round four, beaten. I go 0-4. I do not make the top eight. I'm the only person that goes 0-4. 
And, uh, and that was like just the worst experience. Cause like, I'm a pretty competitive guy. And, um, and like, that's just like a great example of like, I, I, I literally could not do anything with my seal pool. Like I, I, I sat there and I spent more time like looking at it and trying to figure out how I can make it optimal. And it just, it, there's just nothing I could do. And I lost to like people who played like just awful cards against me. And, and I just had to sit there and, and, and get killed. And so yeah, that I just, just no, no sealed. After that, I, I was totally burned on sealed. I played some, some lower one block. Um, you know, uh, or uh, not Lauren Block, the the block after Zenith um, Block, and I I thought that was pretty good, a little fast, but whatever. Anyway, I don't mean to I don't mean to take it uh, uh, that far off the tangent, but that's kind of like where I uh, kind of got my hatred for sealed. Well, sure, and you got to remember too that shards shard sealed was just an atrocious format. I yeah. think. I mean, I yeah. I played a few matches that day of that, and once I didn't have any bombs, but I'm like, you know, I'm here. Maybe I can win some matches here. And literally, I, I was doing fine in every game until my opponents played any bomb at all. And I'm just like, well, that's it. I'm done. Got my lands, got my lands blown up multiple times by a Johnny Vengeance. Like, kept losing to, you know, enormous creatures that I couldn't do anything about. I'm like, oh, Imperial Archangel, sweet. Can't possibly beat that card. Like, I remember at the, uh, I remember at the pre-release for that, like, I literally had every, like, I played every single, like, a try, whatever, uh, obelisk, splash the black side of Cruel Ultimatum, got there. Pretty much wiped the entire thing. You're, just... you're every one of my shards opponent the entire time that block was legal. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> now, I really liked shards draft, but, you know, that's just me. Yeah. I just thought it was I mean, insane. I just thought the third... Was actually, the, it actually wasn't bad. If you said right now... Was insane, I would get, like, 13 playables out of pack three. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. But I, don't, I think for, like, uh, in terms of cube, I think a lot of the problem with sealed is just the whole variance. Like, you can just open a pool and you'll just get, like, so many janky, like, 15 picks, like, three of, like, that, whatever, that terrible aura that gives your guys intimidate or something. And, like, the guy next to you have, like, three Brimstone Dollies, or, like, um, but I, I don't think that variance exists as much in cube, or it's nowhere near that bad. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I mean, that could very well be the case. I just, you know, I, I always just feel like, like uh, Cranny said, I always just feel like I'd rather be playing a different format. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, I I didn't really have the ability to, you know, like to really do drafts. So like, if, if I was just two people, it's just like, okay, let's let's seal. Right. Well, you also play with yourself a lot, right? That's true. I did last night actually. <laughs> See, I thought I so. Myself a little bit today, so no problem. I mean, that's normal and healthy, though. Yeah. I did get a Hornet Queen under Mimic Bad. That's pretty broken. Woof, right. I mean, that probably had, I mean, that probably, you know, went, sent you from 6 o'clock to 12 o'clock, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> All right, so, on that note, uh, Winston Draft. Uh, Winston Draft, hopefully most of you guys know what it is by now. Um, it, it's been covered in quite a few, and Cranny, you've done some uh, videos Right of Winston drafting, yeah, yeah. Me and the other in contention guys have done a few um, videos of my cube. Uh, me, me and Ruben did a few, and me and Sam did a few. So, Ch- shout out, to my, shout out to my in contention uh, podcast guys, Ruben Bressler and uh, Sam Stoddard, who are like you know two of my my best buds, and um, they they have been a huge influence on um, 
like helping me to construct my cube and like uh, come up with like new ways to, you know, change it up and make it like not so run of the mill. And, and they've been around since like the first day that I had my cube. So big, big, big props to those guys. Yeah. Two awesome guys too. I've known Sam for, for quite a while. Um, and then, you know, got the cube some with Ruben at uh, one of the recent star city events. So that was pretty nice. Nice. Pretty fun. So Winston, basically, um, at least the way I run Winston, and you guys can stop me if I'm wrong, uh, is basically get, you know, usually two people, two-person format, uh, three packs for each person, shuffle them all together, make three piles face down uh, with one card in each pile. So you have, like, your your uh, library pile and then three stacks of one. And whoever starts goes down the line. You look at the first card. If you like it, you take it into your stack and replace it. If you don't like it, you put it back and then add a card from the library stack to it. Move to the second pile. Uh, rinse and repeat. If you get past, the, if you get to the third pile and you don't want that card, you can put that card face down, put a card on top of it, and then you just get whatever the next card is off the top of the library stack. You nail it. So that's the way we run it. Um, I've had really good experiences with it. I think it's it's a really fun format. The drafting part does not take very long, I don't think. Um, but I I think there's some interesting strategies in it too, like. At, at what point can you not pass a stack of cards because of how many cards it has in it? Because at right. some point you need playables. You know, you just need cards in your deck. Right. Get a value pack. Right. Like, man, this thing has six cards in it, one of which is just, you know, okay for my deck. But at some point, like, I'm, I'm just taking them all because, you know, I might need to change colors later on or I might need to add a color or, you know, any, any of the above. So uh, I, I've enjoyed it a lot. It moves by pretty quickly, um, and it and it still gives you an element of uh, I, I think gives you an element too of meta gaming against your opponent if you're have a good enough memory to remember what they're being passed. Yeah, um, and, it, and it allows you kind of to to draft accordingly as well. So I think that's kind of interesting too. Yeah, I, Winston is easily my favorite uh two-person format uh in in all of magic history including like heads up sealed and um constructive play testing I, 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 just nothing nothing pack wars oh my god uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever whatever you can throw at me i would much rather take cube and winston any day of the week um it's just like such a it's such a great format, um, you know, d- depending on what kind of cube you're playing with, um, because it, it just gives you so many different avenues for, for building your deck. It's like all of the benefits of sealed, like having like a nice large card pool that allows you to see a lot of cards. Um, but then like some of the same, uh, I'll say like same things that make drafting really fun are sort of in Winston. So being able to flip up like, Okay, I'm I'm in I'm in the third pile. There's one card here. It's a jit, but like there's a value pile two you know two piles ahead of that. Even though the value pile isn't that great, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna risk it. I'm gonna throw another card on top of the jit, and and rip the card off the top, knowing that like Sam is always gonna take the value pile because I know the way Sam drafts. You know. And those, that's like, those kinds of things are like, you, you, you won't even pick them up until like you've drafted like a hundred times and you realize that like, you know, when you first start, signets and fixing are the name of the game. Then it becomes a value game. And then it becomes like, 
how much can you tell what your opponent's doing so that you can offset what they're doing. So that if they're going for value piles, like every time I will just let bombs go to the end knowing that they're just gonna they're just gonna take value every time. So I can get extra cards for the picks that I was gonna take anyway. And um so yeah, it's just it's just awesome. It's just a great format all around. Do you uh, how how what's the biggest value pile do you think you've seen? Uh you know, it usually happens when like if player A takes bribery and then player B takes Jace those are when you start to see gigantic red piles. So, like, you'll see, like, a sulfuric vortex, a land, you know, like, a colorless signet, a white, like, spectral possession. Like, I've seen I've seen as, as much as eight. And then, then you get to a point, like, depending on how early or late in the draft it is, like, if it's early in the draft, you never see those piles. Because, like, I will, I will audible every time, even if I have, like, just the sickest, my first two picks are blue cards, like if I see like spectral procession in a value pile, like my, I'm going that direction. But in the later rounds, like maybe I'm trying to find like that critical piece. Maybe I've drafted a Stoneforge Mystic and I only have a Bone Splitter as my equipment, so I'm digging for equipment. Or maybe I've drafted the Wildfire, but I have no mana facts. So like then then it becomes a priority to make your deck. You have to fill parts of the, your deck out right because if you first pick uh, a Wildfire. Like, your, your game A is to pick Manifacts the rest of the draft. Like, you have to build that deck out. So you have to be willing to pass things like Electrolyze, which are probably going to stay on top, right? Because you're, 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 you've now established yourself as, like, the, the Wildfire deck, you know, player. And it's, it's highly unlikely that that card's going to get picked unless it gets sandwiched on top of a, a pile that has better cards that your opponent's just going to take anyway. So... I, I, a long way of saying I, I've seen it at like as far as big as eight or, eight or nine, but usually once the piles get to like four or five cards, um, depending on who you're playing with, we've kind of been trained to just take the value pile um, because like there's just uh, the the value that you get by taking the value pile is is worth more than the value you get by hoping to rip a jet or a top or you know a sword. Uh, from the rest of the stack. Yeah, like when you mize off the top. Or yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you find that? Do you find that that's a pretty common mistake? Or can you think of any other like common mistakes people do when they start winsoning and they're like, I don't know if they're too like too greedy. They figure, oh, maybe I can get a something really really good. Like, do you, are there any yeah, common mistakes you can think of? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the thing that I always tell people when they first play is just pick fixing. Because you're going to play a four-color deck because you don't understand the format. You don't really you really have a grasp of, of that, like, if you pick a Grim Lava Mancer, well, he's probably a bad example. If you pick a Sulfur Vortex first pick, the only other red cards you might see might be, like, you know, a, a Wildfire and a Arc Lightning. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't know. So you have to be really careful to go into archetype drafting. You have to more take those, like, you have to be opportunistic, you know. So if you see those cards and you're already in a blue deck, then you you kind of shift it over. So if I was going to give some advice to somebody somebody playing the first time is to just take cards based on bread rather than archetype drafting. So, you know, build your deck, like, based on good limited principles. So if you pick up a pile and it's got a couple, like, solid creatures, but, like, you know, no no bombs or, or removal, then go ahead and just pass it and try, try to build, build that out. You know, like, find the Planeswalkers, find the good equipment, 
find the briberies of the world and and try to build with that rather than to build like a white weenie deck or a blue black control deck because you're not going to find the cards that you need. You have to, like I said, you have to be very opportunistic. You have to understand when to take the value piles. And a lot of times, like you need to be prepared to, to first pick underground C or to oh, first pick city of brass. I, I do that all the time, by the way, like, it's <laughs> like just automatic, like, you know, like, you know, all right, we just shuffle it up, put it down and I flip up the first one and it's a two color land. And I'm just like, it eh, gone next. Go ahead. Oh yeah. <laughs> I run that all the time. Like, I'm so happy when people will pass, like, you know, a, a two, maybe it's like a World Wake Man Land, and they add a card on top, and then you just kind of go down the line, and it's like a signet. And you're just like, oh, good oh, God. Oh, this so pack is awesome. <laughs> but, man, like, and that's something that I think a lot of people just in general, we had a, an earlier, much earlier podcast about this, is that just people, you know, the, the fun part of magic is being able to cast your spells. Um, yeah. You can't cast your spells if you don't have the mana to cast them. Um, a lot of cubes really, really skimp on lands, and uh, you know because they're like, well, I don't want to open a pack that has a ton of lands in it, like four lands in it. Or when I open a pack and I see four lands in it, I'm like, oh man, I might be able to loop one of these, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, and I think that's something that you has to really be overvalued when it comes to Winston, because let's face it, you guys, like it's very hard. I can't tell you if I've ever. I mean, seldom, if ever, drafted a two-color deck. They are always usually three colors, you know, if not, like, three splashing a fourth, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of monstrosities that way, because you just don't have, you don't have a big enough pool to yeah. be able to, to build these, you know, single, double-color decks. So you have to prioritize. If you see that white border around the card, it's like, oh, man, yeah. I know what this is. Have you, uh, have you ever done, have you done Winston with more than 90 cards? I, so I was going to say Usman, yes. No, I, I, I was just, just going to say that exact same thing. Like, if you're starting out, do 100 cards. If you're worried that, like, you're going to be stuck with, you know, 21 playables and four colors, then, you know, adding That's the extra card. 10 cards makes a huge difference. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely, you can add more cards to the pool. We don't do it just because, you know, we're used to, to fighting for the mana fixing or whatever, but as a, as a new Winstoner, for sure, you can make a bigger pool. And then, you know, slowly draw yourself back to, you know, the 90 cards or whatever it is. Uh, when I, 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 I've always done 90 card pools, but, um, a while ago I built a, a themed cube, which is an artifact based cube. And, uh, what I found when we first started drafting it, um, is that, we couldn't find the support to be able to like play across multiple colors. And so we made the pool a little bit bigger and it really helped out. And I've actually kind of brought that over to other theme cubes that I've built, especially I built a combo oriented cube, which is basically all about playing combo cards and having a larger stack to Winston with means that we're going to see more combo pieces. So and, you know, like, for instance, if I have Isochron Scepter in the, in the beginning of the draft and my, my cube's a little over 200 cards, um, you know, my, my pool might not have Isochron Scepter in it. So, or it might not have the, the Arms Chant or the, the, the Ancestral Recall or whatever. So adding that extra 10 cards lets us see 10 more potential combo components. So I definitely, Usman, like, adding the extra cards 
is a great way, like, for people just getting into the format to, to actually have decks that feel more like real decks as opposed to sort of scraping by to, to make that 23rd playable. Hmm. Okay. Read my mind. <laughs> Very cool. Well, let's, <clears throat> let's talk about the second, uh, half of, uh, Cranny's favorite, one of Cranny's favorite draft formats, uh, Rochester. Hmm. Now, Rochester draft, for, for those of you who are old, used to be a, uh, a, a very skill-intensive, wonderful uh, Pro Tour PTQ draft format, but it has since uh, gone the way of the Dodo. Uh, you really don't see it used in anything anymore, um, but it's super interesting. Um, more so than any other draft, you are actively drafting against your opponents um, because you're basically seeing all the cards as they happen. Uh, basically, the way it works, I'll give a quick explanation. You guys can, can stop me if I'm wrong. Um, open up a pack of cards. So uh, if you have, let's say you have eight players around around the table. You have eight cube people. Everyone's got their three packs. Uh, player one opens their pack, lays it completely out on the table. Uh, they pick the person who opened the pack gets first pick. It goes around the table, a kind of fantasy football drafts. It goes around the table, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then eight gets the wheel, gets a second pick out of the pack. Uh, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. And then the pack is empty. So basically, if you're, if you open the pack, you get first pick the end. Um, if you are second pick, you get the second card and the last card and so forth and so on. And you continue going around the table, uh, with, you know, then person two opens their pack, does the same, they do the same thing going two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one. One eight seven six five four three. Basically, go around the entire table. You do that, you know, three times for all the packs. Um, you can switch direction and the, switch direction for the second pack. Um, I, I'm not sure if that's that's common practice or not. I don't. It's been so long since I've done a Rochester draft. Uh, I think the last time I did it was Team Rochester draft in the finals of a Mirrodin PTQ, Mirrodin block PTQ. So I don't remember what direction the, the second pack was or, or how it worked. But it's a super interesting format because you basically know what everybody at your table is drafting, and you can definitely make those decisions to uh, cooperate or or hate draft from from those around you. Uh, there's a couple of very famous Pro Tour stories involving such picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can maybe I'll, – I'll see if I can find one online where basically – there was a unnecessary hate draft towards the end of a, a pro tour draft. Uh, one teammate hated from another and the other basically screamed in his face. What? Good luck getting a constructed deck. You know, <laughs> what? For the, it was at worlds. Maybe, uh, there was a story of that. And there were also, there's also stories of, you know, someone getting a hate draft, getting hate drafted on a useless card and then opening when it's coming back the other way. I guess, it, yeah, it would have to be back the other way in pack two. When it comes back the other way, the person taking a bomb for the hater's deck, taking it and ripping it in half. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, so for example, if you were the blue That's... deck, you know, just to, to give you guys a cube example, uh, you know, you are the you are the mono red deck, and it's coming to the end of the pack, and due to your right hates the arc lightning when there's an arc lightning and, you know, random uh, green duder in the pack, even though he is neither red nor green. Let's say he's blue, and he's just like, oh, arc lightning, and just hates the last card from you for no reason. And then the very next pack, 
there's one blue card in the back and it's Jace the Mind Sculptor and you take it and rip it in half and show it to him and say, okay, it's your pick. <laughs> wow. Basically, the, basically that kind of stuff would happen a lot because it can create, uh, at the competitive level, it can create some hard feelings. But at the cube level, it can be really fun. That is, jeez. <laughs> to rip some cards in half. Yeah, so, I got proxies anyways. I made an observation um, as I listened to the podcast and also um, in talking with Sam, and I've known Sam a really long time, um, Usman, uh, Sam, or, or, or Anthony is your Sam because they're both like these old-timer magic guys that know all of this idiot savant stuff from, you know, days of yore. Well, I, I do, too. Like, I've, been, I've been playing longer than Anthony. The intricacies of of masks block, you know, uh, Rochester. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that, well, I've been, I've been playing as long as Sam, but, like, he's just, like, this, this well of useless, limited knowledge, and I'm like, what? I don't care about, like, triple torment, you know, <laughs> you know, sealed deck. Like, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't care, man. I just want to Oh, you know, crippling fatigue, so good. Oh man, yeah. that seems like oh, a pain bringer. <laughs> oh. So, um, I just I thought I should make that observation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just you know, Usman has touched magic cards before I did, but I, I've definitely spent lots of times at tournaments and absorbing magic in general. Especially for a while, I had two uh, Pro Tour roommates. Uh, from the old, you know, late '90s Ohio days. Oh wow! Uh, so, got to learn, got to meet and learn a lot about the game in a, in a very short period of time. And oddly enough, it was during mass block season. So yeah, I know quite a bit about. Uh, <laughs> so did, you, did you ever come and play at Egghead, Anthony? Yeah, I used. To, yeah, I went to Egghead a couple times. We would go a lot of times after uh, PTQs. Uh, we would go run the Chinese buffet yeah. with everybody, and then I, I can't remember what it's called. I just remember it being in Columbus, and so we would always eat there afterwards, and then we would jam, uh, like, egghead drafts afterwards with, like, Randy Wright, or uh, if, like, the the Shung Father or Borta or any of those guys were around, we would go over there and hang out and draft. Nice, man. We may have, like, crossed paths at some point. I did a lot of drafts at egghead during my tenure there. I, I, lo- I like, live there. That place is awesome. There was, yeah. like, it was, like, perfect. It was, like, a... Uh, 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 this small hole in the wall shop that like only probably had a capacity for 20 people, but basically all of these pro tour ringers and pro tour hopefuls would just like sit in the shop and do nothing but draft 24 seven. Like you could go there at like two in the morning on a Tuesday and the place would be packed. There'd just be packs everywhere. People would be drafting you could go at any time and be like, well, I want to play Team Sealed. Oh, okay, well, uh, hey, you guys want to play Team Sealed? All right, good. And, and you just play Team Sealed or like, hey, what are you doing? Heads up, sealed me for the rares. Okay. And it was just like such an awesome time. And that's really when I got my love for Limited Magic because I'd played almost exclusively Constructed. I really liked playing um, Extended. That format was just insane. And this oh, guy's like, yes. you gotta, you know, you got to play – you know, you got to play draft, and I'm like draft. I, you know, I'd only read about it. You know, I read about like Ice Age draft. You know, back oh, in wow. spring. This makes no sense to me. I don't care. I want Jester's caps. I want Jester's mask. Give me these cards. And uh, 
but like then then it really picked up an invasion and then, and then ever since like every every time a set comes out like I just have to draft it infinite because just drafting is just ugh, it's just awesome so. <laughs> yeah I remember the the last time I think I drafted down there it was invasion block um I think it was it might have been after and maybe I'm getting my times confused it was after a PTQ in which um, the Super Grow deck had just come out. You were still able to use Dual Lands and Extended. Yeah. The yeah. Super Grow deck had just gotten popular, and I was playing a uh, a junk deck. I was playing the actual junk deck, like green, white, like Doran colors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to play and like lost my first round against uh, a Lauren combo. Um, I think it was against uh, Amos Claiborne, as a matter of fact. Amos, uh, nice. Famous Amos and. Uh, and then ran the table the rest of the day, beating uh, Nick Isel in the last round of the nice. Swiss to get in top eight. And then I had to play Jeff against Jeff Auer, playing Mono Red, who literally could not possibly lose to me. <laughs> I mean, I've never lost in the top eight of a PTQ so embarrassingly. Like, I had, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I have, you know, River Boa in my deck, and he's like engulfing flames it. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> like just just the most painful thing possible, and then going afterwards to Egghead and having like a four Urborg Drake deck. Nice. I remember having a four Urborg Drake deck when I was my uh, the last time I was at Egghead. Wow. So, so yeah, how's that for a tangent? Wow, I like it. <laughs> awesome. I also like Rochester, and uh, you know what? Rochester is really good. Um, Four is the variant formats for sure. Like, or I shouldn't say variant formats. Variant cubes. Um, I believe, like at, at all, at, at all, uh, all of us have at, at some point talked about, you know, theme cubing and, and variant drafting and those sorts of things. And I think, like, when you have four people together and you're sitting in a room and you're bored, Rochester drafting a theme cube is actually just awesome. Yeah, that sounds. That actually sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 like uh, I've done it with all three of my my theme cubes, and it's the reason I like it so much is one you get to you get to be really selective, right? So like let's say in the um, in the combo cube, for instance, like yeah, sure, Black Lotus and, and Recall and and Time Walk are going to go first pick. I mean, they're 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 first pick cards, no doubt about it. But it's very interesting, like if I early on in the draft pick you know, the necromancy because I'm like trying to build a reanimation theme and then I flip over a world gorger dragon in a pile and like the four of us are looking at it like okay, so this is this is open. Like this this strategy is open. No one's drafted like this deck. So like people will fight for it. And so like the same thing happens like when you go into regular cube is, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm playing like red white aggro, but like a Jace gets flipped up. And it just creates like such an such an amount of tension to be like all right, idiots. Well, I don't see a lightning bolt here, so I'm just gonna take this Jace, and then everybody gets pissed off at you. And it's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, right, and that's I, what I think. The, right, the the you know, better. unlike at Worlds where you know you're gonna rip cards up and get mad at people, you know, you very slowly take the Jace and put it on your pile and maybe give it a little snuggle and be like, oh hey, how you doing, Mr. Jace? Uh, I'm glad you got to hang out my sideboard instead of everybody else's decks. It's much cooler to be in the winner's sideboard than the loser's decks. You, know, just, you can just talk the most amount of junk in in face-up formats. Oh, definitely. And um, it, it, it's also good, too, because, like, I just think trash talk is just a great 
part of cubing because one, like in most cases, there's nothing on the line. So like, you know, as cube builders, we supply this cube and people play our format. And, uh, it's really nice, like, especially when people know the draft to, to see someone like take a card and be like, you know, you're all idiots. You're going to lose. Like, I just love that. I love to hear that trash talk. Like, you know, like I, I love to like have that deck where I'm like eight picks in and I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, stop passing me. Like, you know, 10 counter spells. Somebody needs to go in this color and just, I, I just love it. Table talk is fine because we just do teams at the end. And, um, it's sure. just like Rochester is just great because it's right there. It's in front of you. And like, if I see you, if I see you pick a card, I can be like, oh, you're an idiot. You know, you missed this card or whatever. But like, you know maybe what this card does? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I can't because it's in Japanese, Usman. You need to get English yeah, cards. That, yeah. that, that great sable stack. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had I have some cards in Arabic. Like I actually made the proxies in Arabic, and like what's the like? You don't need Arabic. What's wrong with you? Isn't it? Uh, yeah. By the way, how awkward was that pre-release card? Just saying. Oh, a uh, fungal shambler or whatever. No, <laughs> oh, the no, no, uh, no, the, uh, the thick uh, the basilisk or whatever the. Oh God, stone Finger. whatever. Stone tongue basilisk. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at the date on the pre-release card, it's like, yeah, it's like 9-14. Yeah, it was like the same week as 9-11 right afterwards. And they're like, here, everybody, here's this pre-release card in Arabic. I had no idea. Wow. Huh. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Well? Wow. Really awkward. That is I might have to tweet about that. I had no idea. Yeah, let me, let me, I'll, I'll get the actual, uh, and I think we've, we've mentioned it before, uh, but it, it was super awkward because I mean, it was literally like the same week. Um, I'm seeing if I can, I don't, I don't have my copy of it any longer. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll post the link in the chat, but it looks like it's on the 12th. Oh, yeah, September 12th. Yeah. Oh, one. Wow. Yeah, it was the next day. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I can I can remember exactly uh exactly where it was. I didn't play I wasn't playing Magic that quarter, so I, I guess that's why I didn't really notice. Yep, Odyssey pre release. Oh jeez. Huh. Wow. Well on uh someone cast <laughs> awkward command on that basilisk. Yeah. How about uh <laughs> yeah, the only thing I remember from that outside of the card being in Arabic and being like, What was uh flashing you know Having Morari in play and casting Roar of the Worm multiple times. <laughs> nice. Yay! Oh, and I also killed someone with a Gorilla Titan with a banana this big. Because <laughs> I literally just played him and I'm like, eight, eight, you're dead. <laughs> like, couldn't deal with an eight, eight. I didn't play any other spells. I didn't do anything else. I'm just like, or I had like flashback spells or something. So I'm just like, eh, yeah, you know, cast a spell. Eh, flash it back. 8-8 Titan. Huh, huh, you're dead. You didn't have a banana. OTJ Limited was just, like, the best. It's amazing. I've heard yeah, a lot good times. complain that it was too complex, but I'm like, whatever. You think Portal. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's keep going. Yeah, now, the yeah. next one, I think, is outside of draft. I think is my favorite draft format, and that is rotisserie draft. <laughs> and in rotisserie draft, pretty simple. You take every card and you lay them all out, and you go to town and you pick, and you run it just like uh, 
run it just like any other draft format. Everybody gets their turn picking a card. Pretty simple. Uh, if you guys have been, uh, hopefully you guys have been reading, if you're cube sponges, um, I'm sure you've heard of some of the Justin Parnell uh, rotisserie drafts that, that have gone on. Um, but they are awesome. The, uh, they're really super fun to play. Um, they are wonderful to play. If you have a cube like Cranny's or if you have a cube like mine where we try to push specific archetypes so you can archetype draft, um, having access to every single card is wonderful for that. And you can really push the limits and see what your cube can do, uh, archetype wise. Didn't, uh, didn't, didn't Kenny get kind of hosed on one of those where he like took Stoneport, but there wasn't Batterskull or something? Yeah, well, he also took, uh, he was, he, right, he took that and there wasn't a Batterskull and there was also something about, uh, he assumed that he was going to get two Armageddons and as it turned out, the portal Armageddon wasn't in there. Ew, awkward. There was, there was no, uh, no ravages. No ravages of war. And it was just like, Whoa. awkward. Yeah. So, but it is really fun. Um, I, I've had, we've had such a great time every time we've rotisserie drafted. Um, a lot of people, it's become very popular with the advent of Google Docs and things like that. People do lots of online rotisserie drafts. Um, I know the guys in the Northwest do vintage rotisserie drafts a lot. Um, I had, there are people in, uh, on the, Salvation forums who do cube rotisserie drafts. Um, the only warning I would have for you guys, uh, kind of preemptively, is one: don't draft forty-five cards. Yeah. Every one of your cards is going to be a playable. Oh wow! Yeah. So you don't want to draft forty-five cards, or literally, you you get to thirty-five cards or so, and you're like, oh god, I hate my life. None of these cards are making my main deck. <laughs> so try to limit it to, um, I would say, th- between thirty and thirty-five cards. Um, yeah. To give, give you a little bit of a buffer in case someone, in case you want to switch archetypes partway through the draft, yeah, but do not draft 45. And two, make sure your people are not flaky. There's nothing worse than going through the entire draft and and then half your people going, okay, well we got to go, bye. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've, I've expressed my dislike of flakes many a time. <laughs> yeah, it's it can be brutal. So make sure you have people that are that are in it. It does take a while, not gonna lie about that. Um, but the draft is, you know, it's like Rochester draft as far as like the trash talking, but with every card in the cube instead of just, you know, 15 at a time. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it has to be the most powerful and explosive cube format out there. I mean, unless you just happen to get a ridiculous draft or sealed deck, I mean, you're, there's no, at no point, are you going to have a more focused and, like, you know, powerful cube deck? I mean, it, it, it's also, like, really fun to ro- roast somebody else's cube. Like, roasting my cube, like, I know where I would go because I know the underdrafted cards and I know, like, what the, you know, the Dark Horse cards are that end up, would probably end up, you know, stealing games. But, like, going to do somebody else's cube, um, there's a couple cubes in town that we've roasted and, uh, it's it's like um uh actually Usman, I think you wrote an article um about this and this is like one of my one of my favorite cube topics, which is basically like how cards perform differently in different cubes. Oh yeah. Um and uh and like rotisserie is like just like a perfect example of like if you don't prepare going into it, like you know, like you might not understand that like tokens is is insane in my cube. So that, like, you know, I would first pick an opposition, 
if I was roasting because I'm going to get every token card. And uh, as opposed to, like, if I was going to roast Usman's cube, I wouldn't ever first pick an opposition. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think I would... I don't even know that opposition would even be in his list, but, like, that would be an example of a card that, like, would play very, very differently. And being able to have perfect information, to have everything laid out in front of you and study and be like, okay, well, what direction am I going to go is really, really cool. And uh, and it, it, like, lends, like, an entire different dynamic to, um, you know, to cubing. And, like, I don't know. It would just be fun. Like, I wish people wanted to do it more. And you're right. Uh, Anthony, it takes a long time to do. And, and uh, our friend Coop, I guess, has roasted his cube a few, few times out in um, in Cali, and he said that they time people. They'll just be like, you know, after the first few picks, just be like you have 20 seconds, and if you don't make your pick, you're, you lost your pick. And so people are like, kind of like, you know, getting their picks in, in, in order, and it's really fun because, like, once you get to the 10th or 12th pick, you start to kind of, like, cross... Uh, crossover into other people's space, right? So you might have two white weenie players, and you're like, ah, damn it, you took my, you know, sort of body mind, or, oh, you you know, you took the, well, you probably wouldn't be getting, because that would go really early. Um, you took my Cloud Go or something. Yeah, you took my, yeah, you took my Cloud Go Ranger, my Glorious Anthem, and uh, so it's like, again, more trash talking, and any time that, like, we can get a bunch of friends together to to uh, to cube and trash talk and have fun, and it's just like, you know, it's right in my alley. Yeah, sold. I mean, immediately it's like, yes, awesome. Yeah, and like whenever we wind up rotisserieing my cube, at least when I was living in Arizona, it as a turn, it, just every single time I just drafted the artifact deck every time. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. I want to see how good this deck can be. And people would draft their other cards, you know, but like literally, like right away, like my first two picks would always be like, you know, Tinker Academy. Like, make my intentions known. Stay away. (laughs) A people metal worker. Right. Right. Yeah, these are all the... Speaking of which, I'm currently on a 13 draft streak of upheaval. Just saying. 13 (laughs) drafts in a row. Hasn't made my main deck once, but... Nice. What? Well, I was mono-red splashing Maloku. What do you want me to do? You could have splashed it. Don't be a coward. Don't be a coward. Splash Maloku. You're like, Maloku, land, pop, 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 go. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I actually played a blue-white control deck the other day that I had Maloku sitting in my sideboard. Wow. Very interesting. Uh, no, I just, it was just, she just wasn't fast enough. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's by, oh, rotisserie so fun. Yeah. So fun. And, you know, with my cube, there's an added bit of fun, too, because, you know, we always you know, gamble for a first pick or whatever, you know, we'll have, you know, roll dice or have, you know, numbers written on cards or drafting. And the person who gets first pick is always so happy. And we're like, here's your jit. Second pick, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you have every the first time, pick. And it gets them every time. They're like, yes, I have first pick. You're like, oh, good. Who Here's jit. They're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> a few times I'll hear someone be like, no, I got a jit that sucks. No, oh, yeah, it finally got me the other day. I drafted, and I was definitely not a an equipment deck, pack three, and there was something super sweet. There was, you know, like a uh, a coalition relic or something, oh. and, you know, you move the card to the front of the pack, and then, like, card number 15 in the pack, I'm like, well, crap, slam it down, pass the pack. Yeah. Like, <laughs> happens, happens, it's all right, builds character. Yeah, roasting's, roasting's good. 
Austin's a good poor man. I like it. All right. Well, the next one you guys are going to have to talk about, because i got to be honest, other than knowing that it's a combination of some other ones, I don't know a thing about it, and that is Winchester Draft. I have no experience with it. I, I, I kind of know how it operates, but I'm going to defer to you guys, uh, whichever one of you would like to, to talk about it and kind of get the uh, get the party started. And I'm just going to sit back and listen. Well, I've done one, and Cranny, I'm guessing you, you did a video on one. So I'm guessing you've done more than one. <laughs> yeah, um, it was it was introduced, uh, well, I want to say introduced. I'm sure it was being played before that. But Tom LaPilly wrote an article, uh, I want to say like six months ago, and he talked about it, and so it like kind of was buzzing around the the uh, limited and cube cube communities, and people were trying it out. So we decided to you know give it a shot, and so our group instead of doing Winston's for a couple weeks, we Winchestered instead, and um, and we ended up me and Ruben recorded a, a draft video so that we could kind of explain how Winchester works, and uh, I'll be sure to to send the. Um, the video uh, links to you guys if you guys want to post them in the show notes or whatever. Yeah, okay. uh, but the, the the basic gist of it is that you flip over four cards and somebody's tasked with picking first. And so let's say they're number one, two, three, four, and I pick one. Then each player has like an equal number of cards in their like draft pool. And after you pick a card, you flip over two more. And so after the, the two flip over, then each pile has two, except for the one that has one in it. And then you pick two, and then every card gets, or every stack gets more cards. And so we, we kind of go in depth on our thoughts of the format when we get, when we, when we did our draft video. But in a nutshell, it ends up being, um, a sort of like, it's more sealed than it is draft. It, whereas like Winston is more draft than it is sealed. And so it ends up being a lot of value piles, a lot of value piles, right? So you're just like, well, I'll take this pile of six. I'll take this pile of seven. I'll take this pile of six. I'll take this pile of three until like at the end you build your deck and it's like almost always like, okay, well, I'll treat it like a sealed pool because I, you can't build for a strategy, right? Because I'm not going to take a pile of seven even if like I have an on-color spell that's by itself that just got flipped over because I know that I'm going to be playing the mix-up like every time because that's that's pretty much what it degenerated into. And uh, so I, we, we, we played it, and and the reception on the whole was not very good. Um, I I went to Star City Cincy, and I went Chester with Adam Staborski, who's uh, who's a, um, a big proponent of like uh, popper cubes, and he has a really awesome cube, and we played it, and, and it was fun, but... And, and that's like his his format of choice when he when he plays, and I um, I actually did enjoy myself a little more than a regular than than when I played with a regular cube um, because it's less bomby, right? You know, you don't get a pile with like Moloku and you know some other random dual land and a and a bomb. Like the the piles are on the, on the whole lower in the power level, but uh, I I would say it does not get my seal of approval. I, I wouldn't play it unless you uh, had somebody who really wanted to play it. So that's kind of that's kind of my piece. I mean, I, I shouldn't like be kind of down on this episode because we're talking about like alternate draft formats. But uh, you know, I will say this: if you're playing a non-powered, non-theme cube, it is a good format. Like a lower-powered cube, and I don't mean to say that like popper cubes are bad because I I typically I love drafting common uncommon cubes because it feels like real limited to me sometimes. 
Right. Like, you get a like, much bigger, much better feel for that, for sure. Yeah. And like, I'm totally fine. Like, I, I will, I, like, I've played Kloops Cube like a hundred times. It's like one of my favorite cubes to play. Um, but like, I would much rather Winchester with his cube than Winchester with my cube because like I said, the power level of the individual cards in the hole is much greater. And since every time you flip over a card, there's going to be a new value pile created. It just turns it, it just degenerates into like, okay, well, who takes the more value piles? So. I would recommend playing that with regular, regular, uh, card packs, you know, like limit, you know, uh, go buy sets of Innistrad and Winchester it or play it with common uncommon popper, um, or lower power, like, you know, cubes that don't have like Armageddon and, and upheaval and those kinds of cards. Sure. I mean, that makes sense to me. I, I, like I said, I haven't done it. I don't know if I, if I will be doing it because I'm, you know, it, it's just, you know, for those who need something different, it is, you know, great to do that. Oh, it's um, a great segue. Like, you know, if you're just trying to get away, like if you've just done nothing but Winston or Sealed Deck, it's an awesome, like, you know, to try and wrap your brain around how to make picks and stuff. Like, I love it when a new format's introduced. I'll, I'll play it regardless. So, yeah, definitely give it a shot. Very cool. How did yours go, uh, Usman, when you did it? I don't know. I did it with Adam's Commons Cube, and I, don't know, I thought it was pretty fun. Like, a lot of the open information which you kind of get in, like, a, in the, like, rotisserie kind of formats. You kind of get that, too. So it was interesting having this kind of dialogue. But, I don't know. Like, it was, it seemed fine. Like, I didn't get a huge impression of it, but, I don't know, it didn't seem horrible. I like the other formats better. Like, I would probably rather Winston or Seal yeah. or something. Yeah. But I can't and, you know, that's fine. You know, we're, we're here to introduce people to them. Uh, we can, of course, provide our opinions, because, you know, what... What point is, you know, if, if we just wanted to uh, let people know about things, they, they wouldn't be listening. You know, people are listening for opinions. So I, I don't think it's any any shame to be slightly down on it if, you, if your experience wasn't that great. Uh, I, I, thought, I, I thought it was fine. It's just I can't really put my finger on what exactly, you know, made it less good than Winston. But I don't know. It was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't like, awful. <laughs> <laughs> the Sterling endorsement by Usman. It wasn't awful. It wasn't I mean, awful. Yeah, here we all are just being like, yeah, it's okay if you want to play it. I'm sure it's fine. But no, don't play it. Just Winston. Just Winston draft. It, the Winston draft is just the best. There we go. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, real quickly, uh, let's, let's, we can keep going. Uh, of course, you guys can two headed giant draft, um, which is oh, yeah. one of, another one of my favorite ones to do. Uh, we did cover this a few episodes ago. We did a multiplayer, uh, cube discussion. And that was one of the ones we brought up. Uh, I have a great time doing it. Um, we would always, and we found the other thing that was really nice too, is it was a good way to get new players to cube because they're paired up with someone who knows what they're doing. Absolutely. Um, so, so we had, we got a lot of advantage out of that. Uh, do you want to kind of put your two cents in on that, Craig? Uh, I, I, we, uh, at some point, our cube group dwindled for a little while. Uh, a lot of people graduated and moved away, and so our eight-mans became four-mans. And rather than Rochester, we actually did two-headed giant Rochester, and it's actually just so fun. When you have four people who want to play two-headed giant together, it's, again, it's just like you sit down, you, you trash talk, you see each other's picks, and, like, when you when you have somebody that, like, you know, like your arch nemesis, like, my favorite would be, it would be, like, me and my friend Danny, um, you know, against, like, 
Stoddard and our and our friend Rich or or like you know um, a, a number of uh, my friends you know maybe we'll do like an eight man draft and like everybody's sitting there they're all collaborating so it's just like a really good way to get people talking to get people like you know the social aspect of magic is something that like can't be can't be uh, uh, denied that like just how fun it is when people just start getting together talking about magic so I, I love it awesome format. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, and I, I posted a tweet recently about how I'm just so not interested in magic online. And it's because it doesn't have the social element for me at all. You know, it's, it's just about the game. And while that's cool, sometimes I just so much prefer to have a social element. So anytime there, you know, I can have an extra social element, like something like two headed giant draft or, you know, trash talking when you have perfect information. That's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's just gets added, added value for me. Yeah. Definitely. I'm not a big fan of Moto because I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really, I think there's a lot of truth to that, Anthony. I mean, if you, well, there's a lot of truth to both of those statements. I mean, it, Moto is very expensive, and the return that you get back on it, if you're not like you know, blazing up the the uh, the eight man cues, is very little. And um, for me, I realized. Um, and the, just in the last few years, actually, since I started doing cubing, that how important the face-to-face part of Magic was. And so, like, I was really into Moto. I was really into, like, trying to grind and trying to, like, get my rating up and, like... Trying to go infinite. Yeah. And, like, then I woke up one day and realized that, like, I, I hadn't, like, played, like, a real game of Magic in, like, two years. And it was it was really bad. And then this guy had a cube, and that's kind of like how I got back into it. And I've, I mean, the the friends that I've met through cubing um, have just been like insane. Like and, and like even just like the people that I've never met that I just talked to on Twitter or the message boards and all that is, have just been awesome. So like, yeah, Moto is just really it's really there to supplement. Like you know, if you have some downtime, you want to draft. Like for us, we put it up on the big screen, and we'll just like. We'll do like an Innistrad draft, and we'll talk through it. And again, it's more of like that, like, hey, you know, what are you picking? You're an idiot. No, you got to take this card, and it it becomes like a totally new, you know, scenario. So yeah, sorry. Oh, for yeah. That. We, we did a ton of that when I uh, when I lived with uh, John and Jason Marks. Um, we used that's right around when Moto came out. So that's all we did was jam IPA and Odyssey drafts. Nice. And, you know, we would just sit there and talk about all the picks. You know what I mean? And and we learned a ton from each other and a ton about the format just from being able to do that. But since I've, you know, you know, been living with non-magic people and then, you know, getting married and, and, and all that stuff, I just, you know, I want my, I have a very limited amount of time that I get to play magic and I would just rather have it be face-to-face touching and handling actual cards right? Uh, rather than, you know, having someone get mad at me because they think I got really lucky and timing out and, you know, and and make make a draft take a half an hour longer than what it actually needs to take. Yeah. Uh, because there's some sort of, you know, immature retribution. While that is really comical when you have all day, when you would like to actually get on to the next round and keep things moving, it's just, you know, it's it's not what I want to be doing when it comes to magic. I want to enjoy myself, you know. Yeah. And if you're not getting a, you know, value out of it, then at least a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, just the... Just the way it works, you know. I, I don't know. But, and, you know, people do online cubing now, too. And while that, I, I, I'm just not really that interested in that either. I don't know. I, I want to be able to sit with people and table talk 
and have a good time. And, you know, as much as, you know, this may sound conceited, I want people to go, oh, man, this is this looks really nice in foil. Or, oh, man, you have one of these? This is pretty sweet. You know, like. <laughs> no, there's not the, dude, there's the, the, one of the funniest things happened the other day uh, at the PTQ. When Coop, he had his cube, and he's shuffling face up. Oh, you guys probably know Coop. He wrote some articles for, um. Or Channel Fireball, he has like yeah, the Rebel. He's the, uh, he's the Rebel Cube guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he's he's a good friend, and um, and I actually really like drafting his cube, and I think that like the Rebel thing is just awesome, and, and it's awesome. But anyway, so he he's shuffling face up, and uh, and Sam comes over and says, "Is this shuffled? Like, what do you like? Are you shuffling or sorting?" And and Coop says, "I'm shuffling," and Sam goes. Well, it's face up, and Coop's like, "Yeah, I'm just that vain. I just want to look at them." <laughs> I just thought that that was so funny and honest. I'm like, "Yeah, like your cube is really nice to look at. I don't blame you at all." <laughs> wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Jesus. Ah. Uh. <laughs> so, so <laughs> sorry about that. I had a uh, temporary. Uh, all of a sudden, the lights went out in the room, and I was wondering what was going on. Right. Well. I was like paranormal activity or something, and I'm not sure what was going on. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I, I, I just like that social aspect, and like I said, anything that can add to that, you know, I like Magic, but I don't like the game enough to want to play it by myself, which is what I feel like Moto is. Yeah. I, I'm not a I'm not aspiring to be on the Pro Tour. Well, yeah, I'll play in PTQs, and if I win, awesome. Um, you know, I, I don't feel the need to have to train like a boxer, you know, or, you know, there are other things I need to be, you know, when I want to practice things, I don't want to practice magic. I'm going to practice my instruments. Yeah, you practice your instruments, sure. Yeah. I, you know, it's so, you know, it, I want it to be enjoyable. And, and for me, this moto is just not very enjoyable. So. Yeah. All right. Nice rant about that aside. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, we know no, you're not allowed to go off topic at all, though, Franny. Just so you know. All right. Good. <laughs> God, that's been established two hours in. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, now you have your, there's a couple uh, there's a couple more. Let's talk about the rest of the uh, the draft formats here uh, that we have listed first. Now I see here uh, we we have a three way Winston listed. All right. So this is like in the in the pilot stages. Um, Marshall uh, from the Limited Resources podcast, Limited Resources podcast, who's actually just like one of my favorite people on the internet. Um, he Hello? Posted... I got a phone. Oh, oh yeah. Banana phone. Banana phone. <laughs> Hello? I'm going to go move this stupid phone. I mean, keep going. Okay. So he, um, he, he had someone tweet in that, like, they were looking for interesting draft formats, which is exactly what we're talking about. And I'm going to be sure to, to, to forward the episode onto this, this guy, but. It just, uh, just, he said, what can I do with three people? And so I said, well, you could, you know, you could do Winston, you could do auction draft, you could do whatever. And, um, and what I, I came up with on the fly was that you could do a three way Winston, which would basically be, you have three card pools, so 90, 90 card stacks, and then you Winston against two people at once. And, um, I know it sounds like a cluster, it actually is. And so we tried it out at Star City, um, Indianapolis. And, uh, and it was like, it was actually kind of fun. Um, I actually, uh, Pringlesman, who's a, who's a moderator on the, um, 
on the Magic Salvation Q Forum was there, and Ian, he actually participated in it, and so it was actually pretty cool to meet him because he's a he's a huge cuber. And uh, and tell, so tell me, wait, wait, real quick, let me interrupt. Does he look like the guy on the can? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's uh, he's a really cool dude. His name's Jack. He's an awesome guy. But um, we uh, so at the end of the draft, what I'd, I what I would kind of said is that you could roll to see what deck you play. But um, in 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 every case, like one of us just wanted to play the deck that we liked, you know, more than the other, so we just decided to play it that way. But we've tried it a couple other times where, you know, you're just like, okay, roll to see what deck you get, and then you have to play that deck. And uh, it's kind of fun to do once uh, or twice, but um, it's really, like, you have to be really fast, and, like, you have to use dice to figure out who's going, and <laughs> it became kind of a cluster. So I would just almost rather auction draft every every other time instead of Winston. So Well, uh, great segue. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> tell us about auction draft. Uh, auction draft's another one that um, that I did a really quick video on it on uh, that I, I posted to YouTube. It's it's just me explaining the format, um, but I talk about some of the strategies. But essentially, you have three. Pl- it's a good three player format. Each person gets a hundred points. A uh, hundred's an arbitrary number. You could do two hundred, whatever. And what you do is you go around in a circle and you bid points on cards, right? So. You might flip up like a rampant growth. Well, rampant growth is like a one-point card. So, I'll, you know, I'll bid a point on it. I get, I get the card. But you can choose to pass. So, like, if I flip a rampant growth, I can pass. And if nobody else takes it, I get it for free. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. You want to save your points. But then, then a card like a Jit or you know a Jace will, will will flip up, and that might go for like twenty or thirty points, depending on what part of the draft you're in. So it's really interesting. And again, it's another thing where like you flip it up and you're like, well. I seem to recall Anthony was taking, like, red cards, and Usman was taking green. So, like, I don't think I'm going to take the Daybreak Ranger, but I'm going to bid it up. I'm going to put, I'm going to bid minimum four points. And then that puts you guys in a situation where, like, if you want to get the Daybreak Ranger, you have to bid, like, what I tell you to bid, essentially. So, like, I'm making you waste points. Or you can totally flip it around on me and be like, all right, Cranny, you idiot. We didn't want it anyway. And you just let me have it, and I just wasted four points. So, wow. yeah, pretty. Now, pretty so how many how many total points do you get? I usually do a hundred, um, and then you have like a bookkeeper who who takes all the points down, and then I usually have like a a conch, as I call it, to, to kind of channel my uh, Lord of the Flies. Um, you you uh, do you have like, like a, a talking stick? Yeah, like whoever's picking has like the dice or the or the deck the box. dealer button. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then so then that person flips up from the from the stack and put, puts it face up in front of whoever the pick is, and that's how you do it. And that and that format is really like you can you can you can uh, cycle through a hundred points pretty quick. But again, that's it's like the drafting's just as fun as the playing, just like rotisserie, just like you know doing an eight man draft. That like sitting down and just just drafting is is fun in and of itself. So that's why I really like that format. And now, now explain something to me real quick. If let's say the three of us are, are auction drafting and the card flipped in front of me is uh, an arc trail and I really would like arc trail for my deck and I say, okay, well, four points. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say you say five points mm-hmm. and then Usman passes. Do mm-hmm. I get to rebid or yes. do you get it for five? 
you get a rebid. You bid until somebody stops. Until everybody else passes, right? Yeah. So like if 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 you bid four, and I pass, and Usman passes, you get it. If you bid right. four, I bid five. You the, the next person gets to go, and it goes back to the person who got outbid. So then Usman could bid on it again, right? So maybe he's just like maybe maybe a uh, Doomblade gets flipped up, and he's in black, but he wants to kind of fill the water. Maybe he's up in the in the auction points, and like you know, wants to be strategic about it, he might just pass on it and let you guys bid it up and then, you know, and then beat you guys out when it's kind of like on the low end. Mm-hmm. Um, and another another trick is to flip up a card. Like, let's say I flip up a, I'm trying to think of like, a, like Arctrail would be a good example, which that could be used in, in pretty much everybody's deck. Maybe everybody has access to red. I might bid that at like two points because if I if I pass... I'm probably going to have to bid three points. Right. Does that make sense? So yeah. if, I, if I pass, Usman's going to say one point. You're going to say two points, and then when it comes back to me, I have to bid three. But if, and I don't want to pay three on it. So what I can do is I can start the bidding at two, and then Usman's going to be like, well, no way, I'm not paying three for an arc trail. You're going to say, no, I'm not paying three for an arc trail, and then I get it for two. Right. Oh. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's strategy involved for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, after you do a couple dozen, you you really pick up how to use your points, and like a lot of it is just it, it, it's really more than any other format building to get to that twenty third card, and your and your opponents don't know when you have the twenty third card. So like let's say I'm building blue back control, and I've and I've spent fifty points and I have twenty two cards, right? So I, I've essentially built my entire deck. What I can do is, with that remaining 50 points, I can just muscle you guys out of all the good picks. So, like, wow. I, can, I can take your lightning bolts. You know, I'd be like, eight points. You're like, okay, fine. I guess I don't get a lightning bolt. Or I can take cards like equipment, which is, like, the, the real suspect, right, like swords and jets, um, where you guys, everybody wants those. But, like, maybe you each have 30 points and I have 50 points. I'll just I'll just outbid you. Just I'll say, fine. Like, I'll take, how about 19 points? And you're like, shh. All right. Well, I'm not bidding like the rest of my points on this one card. I'm not, you know, I can't do it. So, it's cool. I, I highly recommend giving it a shot sometime. It's really a pretty intricate format. Very cool. Nice. All right. How about uh, I see here listed a couple other ones. Uh, what about Solomon Draft? Ugh, I hate Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking. Uh, Crane and I were talking about it, and I was like, "Is Solomon Factor Fiction Draft?" He's like. Yeah, aka the worst ever is like are almost the worst ever. <laughs> like, yeah, it's uh. I can't figure that out. <laughs> you're, you're right, Usman. It's factor fiction draft. You you flip over five cards, your opponent splits them, and then you take them. That's. <laughs> well, you take a pile and then they get the other pile, right? Yeah. But I, mean, I, I guess what I was thinking is that explain why it's, explain why it's the worst ever or almost the worst ever. Well, okay, I got I got bashed pretty hard when I was first starting to play limited by this, and I got tricked into losing a lot of money face-up Solomon drafts. Yeah, so, like, it's just a really, it's like a, again, it's like one of those formats where you have to play a lot to understand how well, you know, how to take the picks, and you just don't get it in in playing, like, eight or ten drafts. You have to really know not only the format, like, of Solomon drafting, like, when to make piles the way they are, but also the sets that you're drafting with. So my my context is really in the context of like playing, you know, Invasion Limited. Um, but we played it in Cube a couple of times, and it just feels like a lot of times where 
we draft, and, like, halfway through the draft, each player's like, dude, my deck is trash. Like, I don't want to play this. And uh, and so it almost always degenerates into, hey, want to Winston? Okay. Yeah. And then just shut everything up, you know? So... It sounds like bad Winston from from what you're saying. It seems like like the bad like sometimes when you're in a bad Winston draft, like both players are kind of like, oh man, this guy is so bad, and the other person's like, yeah, me too, this is awful. It sounds like that happens, but like a lot more. Yes, uh, a lot more. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not a good. That's a bad side. Yeah, I, I'd play it if you guys if you guys are here right now and you said I want a Solomon draft, I'd be like. Okay, but I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be like super excited. But it's it's a good way to pass time if you're uh, you know in between rounds at a PTQ or something, and you just want the draft experience and you don't want to play your terrible decks, then go for it. All right, how about uh, Rooster Draft? Oh, this was uh, something that uh, Ryan Ryan Spain, the former co-host of Limited Resources, talked about. It's a really interesting idea. Like it's kind of a mix between. Uh, Rochester, I guess, and Booster Draft, I think it's what's called Brewster. Essentially, you take, there's an even number of packs. I think he said eight for, like, 40 cards, but I don't know. I like having the, or the 30 cards. I don't know. I just like having 40. But what he said was eight packs, and everybody opens them up. You know, just crack all the packs, and they're all open on the table. And you choose who goes first. So, I don't know, I guess I go first. I choose this one pack. And then the second player uh, will say, Anthony, you take two cards. You, you look at the rest of the packs, and then you take two of the remaining packs. And then it goes back to me. I take the remaining two, yada, 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 until it's done. And then you make a deck out of that. Okay, so it's pack drafting. It's pack Rochestering, then. Yeah. Oh, that seems, seems interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, that's another one where I could see some value drafting going on. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, oh, hey, there are actually, like, you know, four mana artifacts in this pack, like, just, like, grabbing it. <laughs> yeah, yoink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that seems, uh, that's interesting. I might have to give that give that one a shot. Yay, if you do, let us know how it is, because that definitely seems fun. Like, I know, I, I mentioned it to him, and, like, he hasn't shut up about rooster drafting. He's like, when are we going to rooster draft? <laughs> we don't ever do it because I didn't. I don't even know how to do it, and I have to like go back and find the episode of Limited Resources. They talk about it and like figure out how. But now I know how, so I'll, I'll have I'll, I'll do that this F and M or something and and get some rooster drafting in. I if may... he bugs if he bugs you about it, man, just tell him to stop being a cock. <laughs> there you go. Nice. I may or may not have listened to that episode like an hour before that episode of Limited Resources, like an hour before this, just to figure out what it was. And I think I asked on Twitter, I'm like, wait, what is what is this? Is this so it's essentially doing that? And then someone was like, yeah. And then Ryan, Ryan actually sent me an email because he's that awesome. Sent me an email saying like, like before it was kind of like it's like the sealed upgrade version, the one I just said, and uh-huh. and the other one he was talking about, which I don't really know if it's really relevant for Cube, but essentially you take the commons, uncommons, and rares, and then split them up. It's like Decide who's player A and B, uh, open the boosters, and, uh, you know, some, but you have to split it up into commons, uncommons, and rares, so I don't know how that would work. I guess you could maybe try to figure it out, but, eh. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely like the, uh, the booster plus version. That sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah sure. If you do it, let, let, let us know how it is. We'll do. Sweet. 
Alrighty. Uh, should we do type four, or is, is this just way too long already? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Where, about how how long have we been recording? Because uh, uh, an hour fifty three. Hour buck fifty three. We could probably talk a little bit about them, and not maybe not spend too much time yeah, on like, them as much. The, because I think are these are they're all, they're all essentially under the same umbrella. Right. They're they're all very similar type decks. You know, these are these are not deck construction formats. These are, I have some time between rounds, and I'm tired of playing with my type 2 cards, and I want to play with cube cards. Yeah. Yes. Uh, type <laughs> of formats. Um, and, and the first one that, that probably uh, started m- most of it, because, you know, this is the first one that I knew about was, uh, out of this group, was Type 4. Uh, now, Type 4 is basically a format where you have uh, infinite mana, um, but you're only allowed to play one spell per turn. Um, basically, and, you know, for those of you who have heard this already, forgive me, but I actually created this format a while ago. Um, back when I was living in the Ohio area, um, I basically had a giant box of junk rares. You know, everyone's got their box of junk rares, and I'm like, man, Xanthic statue, this card is awesome. Like, it's an 8-8, but oh, wait. It costs, like, eight to play and eight to activate. Like, <laughs> what am I ever going to do anything with this card? Um, and I decided that, you know what, Let's. I, I want to make a format where I can get to play all of these other cards. Um, and so I kind of put them all together and, and made, you know, th- you know, kind of played around with the rules of it to figure it out. Um, <clears throat> and what it turned into for us was uh, I called it Type 4, and it's a, a stack format where you can just grab a stack of cards and put them in the middle of all the players um, and then what we did was we would roll a die to see how many cards you get to start with in hand. Um, basically, you have infinite mana, but only one spell per turn. So uh, cards like Xanthic Statue, you know, you can play it. You can activate it however you want. You have active mana. Uh, cards like Glare Caster become awesome because you can just, you know, redirect any amount of damage that you want to do with it. And basically, you play it as a stack format, and you just, you know, Keep going around the table until somebody wins. But you get to play a lot of really awesome spells that you don't really see a whole heck of a lot. You're starting to see a little bit more of it now with uh, the popularity of Commander, uh, EDH. But uh, you get to play all these just really expensive spells without having to worry about mana cost and see what it's like to play, you know, Dragon Magic and Little Kid Magic, where it's just all about throwing the biggest haymakers possible. I love it. Love it. Yeah, Go ahead, it's fine. <laughs> I was just gonna say, um, I, I actually I have been playing Type Four a long time, and uh, one of the guys in our group, Chris Barner, has a Type Four stack, um, and I, I love playing with it. It's almost like its own cube, really, because you can draft it, uh, you can Rochester it, you can make packs if you really wanted to, uh, but it's best to play it like what we do. Um, it's called Tower Sevens, which you basically um, if you have a cube, you can play sevens, which is you just draw seven cards and then you play cards face down as lands, like you like like mental magic. Um, and they're utopias. And then uh, basically, uh, tower is the same thing except you're using the cube to uh, to do um, sort of the same thing. So. Um, I, I like it more when you have like a dedicated type four stack. 
uh, sure. because the cards are just like way more interesting and um, built to to you know create these chaotic, crazy game states that like just could never happen in any other format and just right. You know, every time some new ten casting cost card comes out, it just you know makes. Oh things. yeah, it's just like almost automatically in. Like for example, uh, Army of the Undead or Army of the Dam. That card seems way sweet. Oh wow. Jesus! Uh, <laughs> like that card just seems way sweet to me. But you know, uh, and, and that's pretty much why we did it. It was just like a chance to play with all these different cards that you just never you don't get a chance to play with. Yeah, you know, they print them, and you're like, man, this card's so expensive, and you know. There is a time in all of our lives where those cards were awesome. And then you kind of start going to tournaments, and you never really recapture that kitchen table giant dragon mentality. But this format is all about that mentality. It's just like the biggest, splashiest, swingiest type effects, you know? And, right. you know, things that you can't imagine doing in any other format because they're so slow and so difficult to cast that, uh, you know... It, it would just be insane to try to do it, you know, with any sort of having to tap lands to to cast your spells, you know. Every land could be a a ancient tomb, and you still wouldn't be able to cast half the spells. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Activate half the abilities. Yeah. Right. When you if you use like a cube or type four, do you usually do you recommend taking out like the aggressive cards like the jackal pups, etc.? No. Well, I think if you're using your cube, you just play them. You, you know what I mean? The the things you don't want to the, the the things you probably don't want to play so much. Not that there's a lot of them. Some of the other uh, formats that we'll talk about in a second, you have to kind of ban certain cards, yeah, just because they're completely uh, insane. Um, but I thinking about most cube lists, I'm not sure there are a whole lot of banned cards. But I would say for me, I would cycle all of the mana producing cards. Yeah, that's so usually the, what the I've done. Like cycle the auto the other thing we used to do, too, when playing the next format, DC-10, is we, uh, if you ever drew a land, it was just a counterspell. Nice. Um, but we, we've stopped even doing that, because then it just turns into giant counterspell wars, and that's really boring. So, basically, in Type 4 or, you know, uh, DC-10, you know, if you draw a mana artifact that doesn't do anything else, you just cycle it. What's uh, DC-10 now? DC ten, I'll talk about real quick before we do our uh, bonus back uh, crack attack here. DC ten is just, it's another stack format, um, but you're you start with zero cards in hand, uh, and basically you draw one per turn, but you're allowed to cast as many spells as you want every turn. Hmm. Oh, I think but, I remember doing <laughs> that one in uh, I think it was with your cube in I think it was in Memphis. Yeah, probably. Basically, the the restrictions that I use with DC-10, um, you know, so infinite mana, you can cast as many spells as you want. So obviously any card that says draw cards is just a nut. You know, if you're like, harmonize, sweet, draw three. You know, and then you can basically go off and keep going. Um, the restrictions that, that I use is that uh, activated abilities can only be activated once per turn. Mm-hmm. So if you play, you know, Kumano Master Yamabushi, I can ding somebody on my turn ding somebody on the next player's turn, ding something on the following turn. So basically you can't uh, auto-kill somebody with an effect like that. The same thing with X spells. Um, I usually play X is equal to zero or one, your choice. Uh, what I found, uh, friends of mine came up with a, a better solution. If it's a removal spell, you can basically just use it to kill a creature it can target. Because you know what it started out as is, oh, look, I drew Fireball. Everybody's dead. Yeah. <laughs> 
instead yeah. of doing that because that's boring. You know, that's stupid. Like it's fun the first time, then you're like, eh, fireball, you're all dead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what we've turned it into either it can be zero or one, or you can just say it's just a straight up removal spell for a creature. You can do one to a player, but you can kill you know a seven seven with it. Right. So, and, and that's it. And you can just, you know, play going around the table. Like I said, activated abilities once per turn. So, uh, Necropotence, you can activate it on your turn. Activate it on the next person's turn. Same thing with, like, uh, uh, Bargain, things of that nature. Just once per turn going around. And it's actually, it, it, the games go very quickly. You cycle through things very fast. And uh, you get to see a lot of the cards in the cube when you have that five minutes in between uh, in between rounds. And it works well for two people, three people, four, whoever. It's pretty fun. We've had a lot of fun with it. Nice. The only beef I had with that, like, you guys heard the saying, like, uh, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed person is king? Sure. Yes. And I feel like, it felt like when I was playing that format, the people with the draw spells were king. Like, if somebody got a Muldrifter and they played it first, I was like, okay, you got this. You got you play Jace or any of the card advantage spells, it just felt like they got a huge advantage. Oh, for sure they are, for sure they have a ton of extra value, but in this format, it is really easy for someone to go off, and then have the next person immediately go off. Or because, you know, it's so, it has to be so combat-based to win, because, you know, milling, you know, there's really no other way to win. You have to burn people or kill people through combat. One person could go off, and the next person's like, oh yeah, Wrath of God. And there goes... There it goes. What I mean is that, like, that if it's you get catch up. with yeah. the incremental card advantage that you get, like in the beginning of the game, like say an early Muldrifter, it'll, I don't know if the, the term exponential growth makes much sense for it, but it felt like it was just like if you got an early draw spell, the well, early sure. draw spells would feed more and feed more and feed more and feed more. And like a lot well, of sure. the then, you know, those people also become, like any multiplayer game and the mechanics, those people become targets. Is it usually done multiplayer? Because the times we did it there, it was just... Yeah, we've done, we've done it too, but we do it a lot with three or four. Okay. But, but the thing is, is, you know, with the way, because it is so combat-based, you can definitely uh, you can definitely catch up very quickly with sweepers or your own spell. Like, someone could go off, they're like, you know, turn one Jace, and you're like, okay, well, that kind of sucks. And then, you know, draw an extra card, draw an extra card, draw an extra card, and then all of a sudden you're like, deep analysis, flash it back you know, harmonize, and you're right back into things. So it it, it kind of controls itself, but yeah, there are definitely games where one person just goes off. You know, they're like, turn one, harmonize, turn two, you know, oh, look, deep analysis, uh, and you're they have 20 points in the power on the board, and they're like, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, but then, you know, and so that kind of sucks, except for when you're like, a Chroma's Vengeance. Start over? Like, yeah. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. So... It, that's it's it's a quick format. I found it to be that and type four to be uh, some of the best uh, tower mechanics. And uh, I'll talk about a I'll talk about another one real quickly too. But let's go ahead and do that crack pack before we run out of time. Sure, sure. So um, this is from my um, my combo cube, which is basically just um, all of the most broken cards that Magic has, like the. Uh, um, if it's if it's a combo that's been conceived in a constructed format in the last 20 years, it's probably in this cube. Um, I don't do like really obscure combos like Sands of Time and you know, Aquapoise. yeah, Equipoise or whatever. But like 
most of the good ones are in there. And then there's also like a reanimation and hate bear theme so that like you can kind of branch out and, and play different decks. So um, that being said, uh, all of the lands are utopias. So colors don't really matter aside from like hosers like Pyroblast or Red, Element, Red Elemental Blast. Um, so you can pretty much cast anything that you want um, with your utopia lands, which I, I have um, I have uh, a big blog post on InContenderMagic.com, um, which uh, details like you know my entire logic for creating the cube and all that good stuff. So that being said. This pack is like a little more powerful than the pack that we lo- opened earlier from a uh, individual card perspective, but uh, I'll just I'll just go through them real quick and then uh, we can just talk about it a little bit. Maybe I, I'd like to hear what you guys would pick uh, if you were to see this blind. So um, first one is Empty the Warrens, so Storm card, Goblin Char Belcher. That one's uh, a card that combos with Mana Severance uh, cool. among other cards. Um, Mox Emerald. Everybody loves loves jewelry. Grindstone combos with uh, Painter Servant. Also, uh, you know, you can randomly mod your opponent's Vampiric Tutor effects, which is not too bad. Oh, wow. Um, Bizarre Baghdad, which is uh, a big uh, reanimator enabler, also helps um, the Dragon combo decks, and just a, a really good land to have in your deck. Um, Angel's Grace, which is just like the blowout card in the cube, and uh, easily first pickable for me. I, I There's so many things you can do with that. Um, Pyrostatic Pillar, which is a card that punishes Storm decks. Palancron enables infinite mana. Tezzeret the Seeker enables infinite combos with, like, Key and Time Vault. Um, Time Walk, which is, I mean, does that even need an introduction? <laughs> um, Dream Halls uh, enables, like, big uh, spell decks like Cruel Ultimatum and uh, Biorhythm. Mer um, Battlesphere. Artifact deck card, so uh, also a good reanimation spell. Final Fortune is uh, is again one of those like scepter. Yes, yeah, yeah. You could put it on a scepter uh, with a platinum angel out, or you could just uh, play it in a draw seven deck and chain it uh, alongside of ritual effects and some other things to get a huge advantage and kill your opponent the next turn. Or if your opponent has an abyssal persecutor. Yes. If you're oh. oh my god. Okay, so you guys would really appreciate this. This happened this weekend, okay? Um my friend Rich Tahersky was playing against uh Peter Johnson. They're two of my favorite people. We're playing in an eight eight man draft. And um Peter has out Abyssal Persecutor and about eight lands and um and a Koku show, okay? He he has like Six or seven cards in his hand. He's at um, eleven life, and his opponent has an Akamish route. All right, I know that's a lot of information to have, right? So, okay, what does his opponent have again? His opponent just has an Akamishra and some Akamishra. Land. Okay, okay, and and he's at he's at eleven with an Abyssal Persecutor and a Koku Show. Okay. He taps his mana and plays Deranged Hermit, which is basically like, I'm going to kill you next turn unless you do something. <laughs> so on Rich's turn, he untaps, plays a land, plays Zozu the Punisher, and Armageddon's. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then, like, I see this happen, and I'm, like, cracking. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell just happened? So basically, Peter has to play land, in order to kill his opponent, 
but his opponent can't lose. So the Kokusho is just like not a clock. <laughs> so he plays his land and then he just dies to the triggers, which is just like one of the most creative uses of Armageddon I've ever seen. Anyway, oh, so wow. uh, last, last pick is a uh, sign in blood. And, um, and so that's the pack. So, so what would you guys pick? Are you a running sundial of the infinite with, uh, with the final fortune, whatever? Sundial the infinite is in the cube. Nice. I'm going to be horribly safe and take time walk. I don't know. Like, it seems like it's a really safe pick. God, I'm, I'm all about these safe picks. It's pretty splashable, and it, it seems like it would be, you know, a nice combo card. Uh, yeah. It's terrible, but... <laughs> well, would Can't, not fault you for first picking time walk in any format. Cannot possibly fault you for t- taking time walk. Personally, like, as much as I like time walk, and that's probably if I wanted to be safe, man, I love myself. I love me a palancron. But I don't know if I could pick it over, you know, just the better blue card. I don't know. This is tough. I'd probably wind up being the griefer and wind up playing, like, pyrostatic pillar. Nice. <laughs> and trying to go the opposite direction with it. Um, are there any, is it all combo decks? Uh, Randomator decks and, and uh, hate bears. Okay. Another, hmm. So pretend, pretend time walk's not in the pack. If time walk's not in the pack, take a talent. I have to think now. Come on. Okay, Mox. Yes, I don't have to think. Ah, you suck. Um, yeah, I I think the Palancron pick's actually a pretty good pick. Any anything that like Palancron has a lot of other enablers. So if you just right. get like a, a Anthem, of, or, I'm sorry, an a, a Wake Effect or a, or a Mana Flare Effect, a Recurring Nightmare. Yeah, you could probably just go Infinite on your on your own. So I I could see that. Um, and uh, unlike Goblin Charbelcher or even grindstone, like you don't have to rely on seeing the other cards, and that's kind of what makes this format interesting. You're kind of hedging your bet. You're like, ah, man, I really want to take the grindstone because like the painter servant grindstone combo is really easy to assemble and sure. very hard to to disrupt. But like, I might not see the the painter servant, and grindstone isn't good enough on its own. Right. So right. like, if it was me and I didn't have the mocks or the t- or the time walk in this pack. Which I would, I think I would just first pick those. Um, yeah, like time walk, it just seems way too easy. Like, yeah, um, I, I might take Tezzeret, um, and hope to get a time vault or just like end up in the artifact deck, uh, with an honorable mention to Bizarre Baghdad for just being randomly good in most of the combo decks anyway. Well, sure, because you're just drawing a ton of cards every turn. Who cares if you're discarding cards? You're looking for your engine, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Are you uh are you running like a good amount of reanimator cards? Oh, a ton. I got every I got Dance of the Dead, Reanimate, um, you know, Animate Dead, all, all of the all of those, and then I run like um, Sphinx of Steel Wind, Sundering Titan, which uh, it blows up every land that your opponent has out basically. Oh jeez. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, the reanimation's big. So bizarre, we keep you open to that strategy too. Hmm. Yeah, I could definitely admit, it's just so many cards in here that are just so awesome. But, like, you know, all I know is when I look at this pack, I'm like, okay, well, if there's an if there was an aggro deck, I would probably just Pyrostatic Pillar just to get people. But looking at it, I'm just like, well, I know I'm not picking Signing Blood. <laughs> but yeah, right. Yeah. You, you could also just be like Klug, um, who will just, like, force Storm every time he plays this cube. And I think he would he, I, he would just, like, not even care about Time Walk or Mox Emerald and just slam that Empty the Warrens faster than 
then you could blink. Um, and, wow. and that, that is a, that's a viable, like I, 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 I don't fault that because there's a lot of rituals. There's a lot of cantrips. Sure. Um, and you can make that happen. I mean, some of his decks have been just downright like ridiculous at how fast they were. Like he's killed me on turn one a couple times. Like, Oh wow. Yeah. So pretty, pretty good. Jeez, that's quite broken. <laughs> nice, very cool. Well, man, one of these times we're gonna have to. Uh, if we're in the same place at the same time. I would, I would love to be able to draft this, uh, this combo cube. Seems pretty awesome. I'll, I'll try to bring it to Gen Con next year. Hopefully, you can go ne- next time, and and I'll, I'll have it with me at the Star City event. So, um, you know, probably minus. Uh, I only bring one cube in with me at a time, so I have to like be really strategic on which one I bring, you know. So like if I if it, if I know that like it's going to be a lot of people just playing in between rounds and not a lot of people dropping, then I'll I'll bring the combo cube because it's much more compact. But if like it's like a big event, you know, like a Gen Con or something where it's like over multiple days, I know we might get more eight mans together. I sure. might do that instead. So I imagine it would uh, it would depend on too and who else you know is going because you know if someone's got an awesome regular cube. Then maybe you bring one of your other ones to to be able to mix it up. Yeah, exactly. Like if I knew you guys were going, I definitely would bring a, a variant cube, like mm-hmm. well, without a d- shadow of a doubt. Because like, why? I don't even need my cube. <laughs> you guys got it covered. Remember when but, we were at uh at, at Starcy Nandy and there was like five people in the cube? It was like I had mine, you had yours, Jack had his, uh, <laughs> Eric had his, Jack yep. and Adam. It was just like Sparsky had his. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Like so many cubes, this is awesome. Life is good. Amen. All right, well, cool guys. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about that. Hopefully, uh, <clears throat> people learn or heard of a format they hadn't before. I mean, I'm hosting a show and and I hadn't. I mean, I I probably could have figured out auction draft, but never done one. So that was that was cool for me to hear. Uh, if people have questions, want to get in contact with us, uh, want to know about more formats because there's a couple that you know we actually didn't list here because. You know, your commute can't possibly be that long. There's only so many traffic accidents you can <laughs> until you're tired of hearing us talk. Uh, yeah. Let's go ahead and, and let's uh, let's go around the uh, around the horn here and let people talk about uh, where they can be found. Uh, Cranny, why don't you go first, man? Tell tell people where they can find you to talk to you or hear what you have to say. Well, first of all, thanks a lot for having me on the show. Like this is you know, love you guys, uh, love you know, talk and shop with you guys. It's been a, a blast. So. Um, uh, but I, I'm online. Um, I'm uh, I post on Metri- uh, the Magic Salvation um, Cube message board as Kojiro, and I'm a pretty outspoken dude on that site. And then uh, I also manage IncontentionMagic.com with Sam Stoddard and Ruben Bressler. And uh, and so shout out to those guys. Um, you can find me on at Twitter uh, at kstube k s t u b e and um, and that's where I kind of do most of my communicating. So if you guys, uh, if anybody out there has any questions about like, you know, cube design or any random sort of cube related question or maybe just something that, uh, you, uh, you know, you just feel like you need someone to listen to, you know, someone to, someone to, you know, shoulder to cry on, you know, hit me up on Twitter. I'll, I'd be happy to, to be that shoulder. I, I understand that they hate draft to death from you in Rochester. It's okay. <laughs> you can get it from them next time. Next time. Try things as, why you got to be such a bitch? That's something you could say in response instead of the tears. My opponent played Sun Titan and then a Winter Orb and a Standstill. How can I live? <laughs> it's okay. Yes. It's okay. 
So those are those are my uh, those are my shout outs, as it were. Can can I just tell you something right now? How how awkward this is. I'm freely admit to freely willing to admit when I'm stupid. I just realized that you know your Twitter handle was your first initial and part of you know part of your last name. <laughs> Too bad. I don't know. This, this entire time, I thought it was KS Tube, and I'm always KS like, tube? "What? This, like Kansas Tube? What? The, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't nice. know what that means." I'm gonna change my Twitter name for a day, and it's gonna be Kansas Tube. <laughs> I just, just one of those things I just now realized. Wow! It, there it is. I need there you go. Something. <laughs> Well, Usman, where can uh, people find you? Uh, Twitter, at Usman the Rad. Uh, I occasionally post on the Cube Forum on Salvation. Not a lot, but eh, every once in a while. Yeah, he ran some smack on me today. Yeah, I think I... I, I was that, wait, that was smack? <laughs> well, it was one of those, and I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for those meddling kids type yeah. of things. Oh, yeah, that, that, that draft, that was some meddling kid in there. <laughs> Four lands in a row. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's not cool. Post a lot on the blog. Uh, I'd rather be cubing.wordpress.com. I, like I said earlier, I posted pretty sick cube sealed deck. That was probably one of the most fun decks I've ever drafted. That seems to be one of the themes of my decks. Fun for me and not for the opponents. And uh, I also write uh, bi-weekly cube articles on uh, Star City Games called Cube Holistic Wisdom. <laughs> You should change your Twitter name to Usman the Griefer. Yeah, I should be. <laughs> I, I truly am. I'm like I'm not really a griefer type, you know. <laughs> Yet there I am. Yeah. I guess that I guess that covers all the bases. Yep, and you can uh you guys can find me. I am Anthony forty two, uh pretty much everywhere. A N T K N E E. Uh that's me on Twitter, that's me on Magic Online, haha. That's me on uh Hotmail, Yahoo, Gmail, you name it, that's where I am. I uh, occasionally write some stuff on the blog as well with Usman, and occasionally and hopefully we'll get back into the habit of writing again for a quiet speculation. Yeah, I need to give you trouble about that. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've had this Innistrad review for a while, and what I've decided to do is with, you know, the cards we've been playing, and I've been drafting, making some sample draft decks and playing with myself, Usman style. uh, (laughs) Trying to get some some information on the flip cards and, and things like that. So, by, the, um, by the way, during this episode, I may or may not have been playing against myself with a blue red tempo deck versus a black green mid range deck. I may or may not have. I can't confirm that. So wait, is, is black green mid range? Is that kind of like a euphemism for something? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah. It's like you meet someone at the bar. Well, I'm kind of a mid-range. <laughs> depending on the day, you know, depending on how it goes, I can set up for the long game. Sometimes I'm but, the beat down. Sometimes I'm the, I'm the right, control. Right, exactly. <laughs> sometimes I can get a pretty fast start and, fi- and finish pretty quickly. <laughs> if I get, if I can ramp early enough, I can finish quickly. <laughs> so, uh-huh. well. I think that's enough. Uh, that's a high note. <laughs> that is a high note. I will be uh, I will be enjoying that one later on. And of course, you guys you can always email us at the show email, which is uh, mtg the third power at gmail dot com. Uh, we gone strong for the email for a while, and then 
Haven't seen a haven't seen any hate mail or anything recently, so feel what? free to drop the line. What? No hate mail, come on. No hate mail. We haven't been saying, we haven't been slaying enough sacred cows recently. <laughs> I gotta say something like this card sucks. Why are you yeah. not playing it? If you guys, uh, I, I want to do a show. Uh, since since you were gracious enough to have me on the show, I want to do like a, a cube related in contention show at some point with you guys, um, where we can talk about some of the more controversial choices that our groups have come up with. Maybe even like see if we can piss you guys off by cutting a bunch of stuff that you guys don't want to cut. <laughs> yeah, I saw you. You had a recent post recently that was like, "Yep, cut these cards," and like all the chickens in the hen house were like. <laughs> That's so, a good way to put it. Yep. And here comes yeah, the hate. And here comes the hate mail. Because I, you know, I have a card too that I didn't even mention on the first one that I know people the hens are going to go nuts that I can't stand this particular card. So yeah, let's. We should do that soon for sure. Yeah. Sounds fun. And by the well, way, thank you very much, Granny, for being on the episode. Like, yeah. we had the idea of like alternate uh, draft formats. I'm like, okay, Cranes on. Let's do this. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, sure, there's only two other guys in the world that like Cube as much as me, and I'm I'm talking to him. So I again appreciate having me on, guys. Awesome. All right. Well, cool, man. That was awesome. Let's uh, do it together soon, and hopefully uh, we'll be back with episode number 23, topic yet to be determined. Uh, sooner rather than later, uh, all this real life stuff you winds up getting in the way. Other than you know when Usman and I were both unemployed and consider out and we're like. Cool, let's do another podcast. Yeah. All right, let's do another podcast. You guys did like eight in a month. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, you know, it's like, all right, well, let's have number 12A, and then we'll do one 12B, and then, and then we'll do this one, and we'll do it for this format, and now we'll do the whole thing in Pig Latin. And well, I, for a while it was like I was doing uh, podcasts every week, articles every week, working like 40 hours and I just got so burnt out. I was like, God, kill me. Thankfully, I didn't die, so that didn't work. That's good. And the world is a better place because you have not died. That's right. Oh, thank that. I hope that, that's a nice warm and fuzzy to end on. How's that? There we go. Awesome. Right. Only one more thing to do. Rock over London. Rock on Chicago. Odyssey. Take a power trip. See you guys next time. Peace out. Peace out.